This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. June night in Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's Power Hour show. This is sequel to De- Deja Vu. We talk about all sequels, good, the bad, and the ugly. Sometimes we'll talk about a prequel. Sometimes we'll talk about a remake, but not this evening. This evening, or rather this afternoon, we're going to be talking about one of the granddaddy horror sequels of them all, Friday the 13th, Part 2 from 1981, uh, directed by Steve Miner takes place about five years after the original, aside from the opening, but we'll get into that more here in a little bit. I want to welcome my guest co-host, my good friend, Tim O'Saven. How are we doing? I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. You know, being out and about, uh, filmed a couple of weeks ago on a film in Indiana. And How'd so that I got, go? How did that go? That was was hard. That'd be yeah. Honestly, it was physically hard for me. Uh, it was just a hard a good shoot. Hard or it, you know, it, it, oh yeah, it was a good rewarding, hard. <laughs> rewarding, I should say hard. Yeah, it was rewarding. It was it was just physically hard because I'm just uh-huh. not in great shape anymore. But I loved it. Created some good stuff. We we're shooting the second half of it uh, in roughly about 14, 15 days, uh, just outside of Nashville in Tennessee. So we're shooting we're shooting about five days out there. I'm looking forward to kind of visiting Tennessee because we're shooting it. Uh, 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 Shinto Shrine. Oh, and wow. It's a really neat lo- location. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. They got some great photographers and, and cinematographers on this movie, and it's already looking great. But I can't wait to see this location. Cool. What's the working it's, title? It's called Par- Parallels from Condog Films. Yeah. Uh, from Daniel Goad and Con Madrano. They're a merry team. They've been kind of cultivating this movie for. God, I know the first iteration of the script came almost a decade ago. 
and they've been like trying to get it made as a production for the last couple of years. You know, COVID kind of hit, halted everything for a year, but we're finally shooting, got the first half done. And, you know, I, I acted in it a little bit. I did cooking for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the, the shoot. There you go. You know, jack of all trades. You know how it is on a film set. Sometimes you got to wear 17 hats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, but what about you? Wait, wait, who the hell's interviewing who here? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, hey, you know, that, that's you know, part of what we do here. Hey, I had to, I had to help you get, get a little tag for, for your own work, too. You sometimes know, so I that's... forget to do that. I always pa- to plug everybody else's stuff, and I sometimes forget to, like, I got It's the easiest art. thing to forget. It really is. But I'm glad to see, see you out there working and just glad to see, you know, things getting produced again. You know, after, yeah, after the world took a break for a little bit, seems like it's trying to get trying to get revving again. It went really well. Worked with some great people, some bunch of people that I, you know, I've uh, worked with b- before, and some new people that I've never worked with before. And it was a it was a great situation. I mean, everybody got along really well, which is always the the, the most important thing on any kind of set. You know, if you got a group and they don't jive and they personally don't really get along, it's going to come across in the work. And that was not yeah. the case here. Everybody gelled really well and it was a great great shoot nice awesome but uh what about you you've got some new things going on some new uh, yeah. things going on in your uh professional life what's what do you got going on there yeah started the synapse films podcast so Ooh. been pretty pretty happy about that so on the let's see just submitted the second episode to jerry chandler and don may the owners over there at synapse so kind of moved to a more I don't know if I could call it a corporate gig or not, but it's a little bit more of a professional show, I guess. A little less loosey-goosey. Um, it's it's different working for a company as opposed to kind of just doing it for yourself. There's a whole whole different set of challenges, uh, but I like that. It's, it's uh, we've had a great launch. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of listeners and stuff, and it's it's been like I said, a challenge. But, you know, the, the, the last show, Tim and Harley's show, I did for 10 years, and I, that's, that's pretty good practice, you know, uh, for a challenge on a podcast. So I'm up for it, and it's, it's fun. It, it's definitely different. Um, and if anyone wants to listen, you can just go to the, uh, the uh, synapsefilms.com, and there's a page on there where you can listen to the uh, podcast. Also on Podbean, just like you are. Yeah, that's where I yeah. listened to it. That's where I found it. Actually, I think you sent me the link. Yes. But yeah, yes, I, I like I like where it's going. I like the first episode. I'm anxious to hear more. I was a big fan of your previous show. And, you know, 10 years is one hell of a fucking run for any I show. You know, that. TV show, radio show, anything like that. Run for 10 years and run on a consistent weekly basis. That's, right. that's, a, that's a feat. You had, what, 500 plus episodes? Yes, there was over 500 episodes, so that's a lot of editing. That's a lot, a lot of recording and a lot of editing and a lot of movies to talk about. Um, yeah, it was fun. So we, we uh, you know, the first episode we talked about Slaughter of the Innocents, which I actually picked out something that was a little more obscure and a little more obscure to, to the, the Synapse uh, crowd, more, more or less. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't Suspiria. Uh, the next episode, uh, I have a feeling you like this movie. Uh, but we will be talking about street trash. Oh, I so, love me some street trash. I thought you would like that one. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be, that's a fun conversation. And it's cool too, because um, Roy Frumkus, who wrote street trash also did document of the dead, uh, the, the nine living dead. And like, I think they dawn of the dead uh, documentary. Yeah. Those, I actually, that, uh, 
I bought both of those off of uh, your boys at Synapse at the Cinema right. Wasteland Convention. Right, and that was that. Basically, Roy was instrumental in getting this company started because those were the first movies that they released. You know, so it was. It's it's cool to talk about. You know, so and it's a what a wild movie. You know, so but. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's so not much crazier. Yeah. There's not much uh, crazier out there as far as uh, you know who cinema is concerned. <laughs> it's a little gooey, a little gooey, and a little a, a little everything. <laughs> a little gooey, a little a little wet. Yes. Uh, a little, <laughs> Slimy, a sticky, sticky. Yeah, is a good word. Yeah, but it's it's a good movie. If you want it's a movie that makes you feel uncomfortable, has an odor. Yes, I was going to say if you want a movie that makes you feel uncomfortable, this is a movie to watch. Right, right. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. For Two sure. words. Yeah. Penis football. Yeah. Or I should right, say right, penis right. keep away catch, you know. <laughs> and did anyone bother questioning how does a severed penis stay engorged? I <laughs> I never questioned that. I think I was usually my mind was on what the fuck is happening right now. <laughs> I know. So yeah. It's these things that make me think I maybe should be tested to see like what what part of the spectrum i might be on you know i'm the guy watching the movie going hey the clock changed <laughs> during like a real dramatic part <laughs> you know, so oh, but uh yeah but having a good time doing it so yeah thanks for asking and um, yeah. i'm i'm glad to be doing it yep it's 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 a good time and um it's it's also different because i'm doing it by myself basically so there's there's like wraparound segments that i which you're by myself is a loaded word. I have guests on, but there are segments where I have to, <laughs> I have to record it by myself. And I'm not talking to anyone, and I'm not I'm really not used to that. It's very difficult to do to actually just sit there with a microphone. It, it and, is, isn't and, it? Yeah, yeah, it's real hard to do, and it's 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 it's. I mean, it makes me angry because it's something I have to get used to. It's the one thing I didn't really get used to, you know, on, on the last show. So I get angry at myself. Uh, <laughs> when I get do stuck, you ever get to right? the point when you're editing where where like where I do I know I'm only like 65 episodes in on my show, but mm. I get tired of hearing my own voice. I don't necessarily get tired of listening to the other people I'm talking to, but oh man, I really get tired of hearing my own voice. <laughs> yeah, you know, and editing. I do. You know? I do. What really what really bothers me more is that I'm a um, I'm. A, I, I, I EQ music, you know, re, re, record music, engineer music, you know, and stuff. Not not professionally necessarily, but I do it a lot, uh, you know, for demos and things for our bands and stuff. So I like to mix things and EQ things. And mixing and EQing two voices or a voice to me is very difficult. And when you're sitting there listening uh, to the same voice for an hour or two hours or however many hours you want to sit down and have an editing section, you don't know what you're hearing anymore. You lose complete perspective. And so you come back the next day and you, 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 you come back to where you were. You're like, what the hell is this? You know, <laughs> where did I go off the deep end? You know, it's all bass or it's all treble, you know, whatever you focused in on the day, the, the day before you find out that's like, yeah, I probably should have walked away an hour before. Uh, editing, I have fun doing. I, I really enjoy editing because I really get into the weeds with editing. I have separate tracks and everything, you know. And oh. well, if you love editing, so much, I got a job. I got a job for you working for Cinema Degeneration, editing artists. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things that I that that I want for the show, uh, may I ask for Movie Guy to come out for a moment? Oh sure. 
<laughs> I haven't done a movie guy for a while. I, that movie guy was retired on the Synapse Films podcast, so. Yeah, yeah I, I, I noticed that. I figured you probably weren't uh, going to be able to coerce them to come out of, uh, you know, retirement. But I thought maybe <laughs> I could ask one last time just for. You know, and I always sure. say one last time, but I think I said that last time too. But you know, as long as I could, <laughs> right. until the point where you tell me, no, fuck, no, I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not dragging him out of his, you know, case in the closet. Movie guy's gonna be pissed. He's like, he's, he's down in Florida. He's retired. <laughs> let's see. I'll get him out here. Let's see if we can do this. All right. So yeah, Friday get him out, get him out of the sun two. and the sun, sunshine and sand. Right. All right. Here we go. Mrs. Voorhees is dead, and Camp Crystal Lake is shut down. But a camp next to the infamous place is stalked by an unknown assailant. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate <laughs> You're it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about our movie, Friday yes. 13th Part 2. This When I uh, asked you to come on this particular show, this is your first time on Sequel 2 Deja Vu. Uh, this is the one that you you picked, what you said, without a doubt. So what before yes. we start breaking down the film scene by scene, what is it about? Uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Two that you love so much, and why? Why was it that particular? Why is it this particular movie that came to your mind first thing? Well, I think it's the archetype uh, killer in the woods movie. I, 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 and, and I, I tread thin water here when I talk about this sometimes because I have all the respect for Friday the Thirteenth, the original film, and its place in cinema history, and it spawned all these sequels in this franchise. I get it. I have a lot of respect for Tom Savini. I have a lot of respect for Victor Miller. I have a lot of respect for Sean Cunningham. I like all their stuff. I get it. That's fine. But let's be honest. I mean, Friday the 13th was a slow giallo movie. And yeah, you can go I, back I, and watch I could agree it with that. With a, yeah, if you go back and watch it with a critical eye and just take your, your member berries out of it and take, you know, when we were all little kids and we saw it and scared us, you start watching it and realize... Nothing happens, man. I mean, and the the reveal of it is almost as clumsy as an old Giallo movie. It's like, oh shit, we better figure out how to tie this up. <laughs> like, how to figure out like who the hell's killing everybody you know, and stuff. Right, um, right. And they just sort of throw in everything at the end to tie everything up, you know. So the thing with Friday the Thirteenth was the success of the film. And let's be honest here too. And and I I have I've teased. Uh, Harry Manfredini a little bit. I'm a musician too. This is a just as a gentle tease. He's like the bad religion of composers. You know, he wrote one song. It's a great song though, <laughs> and he keeps right. using it over and over and over and over again. Bad Religion is one of my favorite bands, but they really sound like the same song over and over and over again for the most part. They're kind of like but I love a them. little bit. It's, it's yes, it's, it's just changed the same way. ever so slightly. You know, <laughs> right. They're, they're so steeped. Yeah, they're so steeped in their own style, basically, you know, and, and let's let's look. It's it's clearly the music. I mean, no one could sit there and say it wasn't influenced by Psycho, of course, and Bernard Herrmann and everything. But it, it works. And I think that the music sold that movie, not sold it, but the movie made it work or the music made that movie work really well, really well. well. You know, and there a, were bad, some interesting a bad kills. soundtrack can can ruin a fucking movie. Oh, you can yeah, have a perfect yeah. film. You put the wrong music to it and you just totally ruined the, the feel of everything. Exactly. How many times have you heard, you know, directors and producers and studio exec talk about screening a film, a classic film without before the music was put in and they all say, what a boring movie. And then you get the music in, which is helping your emotions along. It's almost coaxing your emotions into where they should go. So, so Friday the 13th to me, was 
it had a great ending. I thought I love I love the ending, you know, in the lake and everything. I, the mysterious kind of ending where, you know, uh, where uh, Adrian King's like, you know, oh, he's still there. The boy's still there. He's and you still in the leave, lake. Yeah, you kind of leave all that that mystery there, you know. And so you're thinking, wow, this is great. Now, 1980, I was seven years old, so I saw pieces of this, not all at one time, but I saw pieces of it when I when I snuck around and put my eyeballs on it when I was on HBO or something like that, you know. I caught most mm-hmm. of it for the most part, you know, sneaking around. I wasn't right. allowed to watch it, but uh, so but we, we had our ways back then, didn't we? Oh, yes, we did. Absolutely. We had cool aunts and uncles and you know, grandparents, whoever would let you, you know, put your eyeballs like, yeah, I don't on. care what you want to watch. Put it on. Right. And you watch it now and it seems so PG. You know, it's really not that really not that big of a deal, you know, and stuff. But so. And this film, of course, it's made because the first one was a very, it's a surprise success. And everybody knows the first Friday the 13th benefited not only from the incredible score by Harry Manfredini, uh, but the people at Paramount put some weight behind it. And they, and they advertised it at the perfect time when this was just, this slasher craze was just boiling. So, of course, it made a lot of money. Um, and they're going to make a sequel. Great. Okay, so you get to the Friday the 13th Part 2. Now, I, I, I like to ask people, maybe not ask people, but if you stop and think about it, who, look at the remake of Friday the 13th, quote, remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it. Was right. that a remake of Friday the 13th? It seemed to me, and I, and I, it, it, it seemed like it was a remake of the first couple of movies. The first, like, three, basically. But it's Jason. Mm-hmm. That's not, there's no Jason in Friday the 13th, you know? It's like, I'm not right. even sure you really hear hear the name Jason until the end of the film. Yeah, I mean, it's not trying to wrap everything up. Palmer just says his name was Jason, and that was it. He's almost like a figment of her imagination. Right. And, and Victor Miller, if you ever listen to him talk or anything else, he wrote Friday the 13th. He will straight up say Jason was dead. There was no Jason. Jason, you know, you don't even really know if Jason ever existed or not. It was, she's so crazy, you know, but in her mind, he did. You know, so it was, there. he said that Jason was dead. There was no Jason. So what's funny to me is that, and then the story about part two is Savini, uh, you know, Cunningham um, and and Victor Miller, you know, they, they didn't get it. They're like, wait a minute, how, how do we do a sequel when, you know, basically the, the killer and the whole cast are dead or something? And, you know, for me, the leap of logic is not, for, for, a, for a world that we've grown up in, the leap of logic between Friday the 13th Part 1 and 2 it's not that big of a stretch. When you look at some of the other crazy crap, even on soap operas, how well, dead I, characters come back, you know, and stuff. It's well, like I've heard people, did, you know, talk about like how that, uh, you know, how was Jason alive? Why didn't he tell his mother he was alive? You know, or why didn't she know? And he could have prevented all the murders from happening, you know, in the first movie. Um, like, okay, maybe she did know. Maybe she had just gone exactly. cuckoo and, and knew she, you know, he was there. She was still. You know what I mean? Taking her revenge out on the people that had hurt him. You know, right. it was just that simple. Maybe her poor little brain had just broke. And, 
you know, she was justifying, you know, doing this for Jason. So Jason didn't have to. You right. know, I mean, who knows? You could draw so many different logical lines in this highly illogical world, you know, but right. it's, it's not that far fetched to me. No. And the thing is, is almost exactly what you said. It's like, so what 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 people who say there's no logic there are saying. So you're taking like two minutes of <laughs> of this whatever dialogue and you're you're interjecting your your idea of her entire life and reality into what she said. First of all, like you said, she's crazy. Yeah, she's bonkers. She's nuts. I mean, she's, so first she's of all, a, you can bonkers. She's a a, a murderer, and right. she's obviously got some issues. You're, you're saying that there's any logic in within her that, that makes anything that makes her a logical human being? No. Right. Right. And so, who's to say that you know the drowning like didn't make him make his give him more brain damage? You know, who knows? I mean, and I don't really. I don't really get the lack of logic. You know, it's, when it comes to sequels and stuff, I've seen so many remakes and sequels to these franchises, just like yourself and just like everyone listening. And we're going to complain about that leap of logic. I'm sorry. I, I, I personally think that's a little more ego popping in there. Like Victor Miller, like it's his story. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. That's my story. You're not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, you're not telling me how to, how to massage my story. And I kind of get that as a musician and artist and stuff, you know, you don't want to be told how to, how to change your own art. So when you think of Friday the 13th, you think of the franchise, you think of everything. How much Mrs. Voorhees is there? It's so I mean, minimal. as far as the actual killer, you know, like as far as like the, the mythos, the legend and everything. It's all about his name was Jason, Jason, Jason. Everything's Jason. Everything, you know. It's like so. Just on a technical level, uh, you know, the series. I don't think I. I always considered Friday the Thirteenth Part Two the first Friday the Thirteenth movie of the franchise. Right. Right. If that I makes agree. any sense, I agree. Because I agree. you don't have to watch Friday the Thirteenth. All you have to do is watch Friday the Thirteenth Part Two because the first thing is the first fifteen minutes. Of Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, it's all bit pieces from. And that's where you get most of you know Miss Mrs. Voorhees, where you get a lot of your Be Betsy Palmer footage. I mean, really, she only pops up in the second one. What at the end in a couple of shots against a black screen? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So we're we're you know what we're, we're we're talking about like almost a separate uh, a separate series of films attached to that film. In a way, if that makes any kind of sense, you know what I mean? Because right. to me, it's they're they're so they're so different. But the other the other fascinating thing to me that I always bring up about this movie is that when this movie came out, you didn't know who the killer was. No, I mean no. I no, had no idea. Right, I thought for sure when I watched the first time that we were going to be introduced to Jason's dad. Why did I think that? For the same reasons I was just complaining about myself that Jason was dead. So I didn't make that leap of logic. At yeah, all. the first like, time I watched it, I I think I assumed the same thing. Like this must be, you know, th the father, you know, and the husband, because right. he's not mentioned in any kind of point in the movie. But you got to think there had to be a Mister Voorhees at least at some point, you know. Uh, and and there lies the fly in the ointment because it's the one thing I've never heard questioned in my entire life, except by myself. And I know I'm not the only person, but it isn't asked enough because I've never heard it, except for me. Asking, where is he? Who was the dad? 
they've never addressed it. I mean, like, you want to talk about a series that doesn't have a stone unturned, you know? Like, besides maybe Saw, it, they've they've taken Jason to New York, you know? I mean, they've done everything. <laughs> they they took him out know, of space, for fuck's sake. Oh, for crying out loud, yeah. You know, he wrestled a robot. I mean, so, and, and we've never discussed who the father of this killing machine is, because, I mean, he had something to do with it. You well, know, I know so, they, they had planned to do that with part six, this, which well, for all uh, spoilers here is my favorite Friday the 13th film. It's a good one. I like that one too. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's like the beginning of the Jason that I became, some, you know, no, that became known to me as the zombie Jason, mm-hmm. you know, but also might have had something to do with the Alice Cooper soundtrack and had a little bit to do with it there, but you know. It was a ball. It was a lot yeah. of fun. That was the first movie, the first Friday the 13th that I thought was barrels of fun. Like, it yeah. was so much fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I, I know I that they, ha- they, they had a, uh, an alternate storyline, you know, some scenes thought up that were actually on the, uh, the Blu-ray box set that done in a storyboard fashion where uh, Jason's father does Elias for he's pops up. At the ah, end, it was okay. supposed to pop up at the end of part six. So they ah. did plan to do it at one time, but I guess they, for some reason, executives and whatnot thought it would have been too confusing. So they just didn't go with it. Oh, but confusing. that would have, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was a, that, that was a dumb move. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and so for me, like Friday the 13th too, as the movie unfolds, it just becomes more and more of a twist. Wait, there is nothing. This really is Jason. You know, I mean, even when they, even when they, they, you know, they find like the, the shack, you know, out in the woods that he's living in and stuff. Why couldn't that be the dad? There's no backstory on Mrs. Voorhees or Jason or nothing. There, it's an open palette. You know, yeah, I mean, all way. we and, really know is that Pamela Voorhees was a cook. Right. And that's, right. That's, like, that's really all we know is that she was a cook at the camp. And if was you're it. to believe her. Because he's yeah. the only one you ever see saying any of this stuff, you know, so she could have just Good been point. a crazy Good person, point. you know, coming around. So there's a lot you could do with this. I mean, it's the, so to me, it was mysterious. The second one was very mysterious. Like, who is this? And here's the other thing, too. The the when they start showing him with the bag over the head. Um, yeah. Sackhead Jason. Yes. There is something that that I notice that makes it way more frightening than any of the hockey masks or anything else is that it's, it covers his entire head. So you have yeah. no idea what's underneath it except one eye. Yeah. And, that is one thing like with the, the other iterations of Jason, because you know, the infamous hockey mask that he would be known for doesn't come in till the third film. And it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really come in towards till the end of the film. He's just, you right. just know that he's huge. He's as they keep putting it a mongoloid and he's bald. Mm-hmm. And that's like all you really know. But with this, you don't know any of that. It's just a guy. And that having that one eye, mm-hmm. just, just having it being one eye is always, always put an extra layer of creep factor on it. Right, me. right, right, right. Exactly. And, and I think that that the fact that like when you see Jason and like the other films, it, you, you, you only are missing his facial features. Like you, you, you know something bad underneath there. You know, <laughs> you know that. But, As they but say in Jason Liz, we've <laughs> learned that any guy wearing a mask is never friendly. Right, right. And but you see the top of his head, you see the back of his head, you can see how big he is and everything. Like in Friday Thirteenth Part Two, he's got like overalls. You know, like he's really obscured. Like you can't really tell. Is this, it could be a woman. 
You just yeah, can't about all tell. you really know is that he's got one piercing eye and some yes. dirty ass hands and fingernails. That's like all yes. you really know. Right, right. So they're giving you these little like they're basically telling you it's Jason the whole movie. But I think that that if you if you live in the world back then in 1981, where there was no Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, Nine, you know, yeah, it was this Friday the Thirteenth where you got swerved already. You're thinking, well, I'm going to get swerved again, you know. So who is this killing everybody? Because they're they're they, you know, again, I I do agree with with Savini and all of them when in the first film, if you take what they were telling you, yeah, Jason was dead. So to me, the swerve was that Jason was alive, and I'm fine with that. The the twist, I guess, you know, is that Jason was alive, and I, I'm I'm fine with that. But it's the it is the archetypal guy in the woods. Like if you talk about the burning. You know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, just before dawn, uh, you know, all these movies, they're not ripping off Friday the 13th, they're ripping yeah, off Friday the 13th part two. Right, right. So it's you know? about a guy in a, in a mask or that's killer in the woods. Uh, uh, a mentally challenged, deformed, oversized man child out in the woods, feral. And to me, that is a whole subgenre. Of slasher, and it's my favorite. I mean, the, the the deformed killer guy out in the woods is, and Friday the Thirteenth did that. Now, what's interesting about Friday the Thirteenth is we always have our part two. Is we also always have our stories like, well, I saw it when I was a kid with my mom, you know, or something like that, where you had this like strong memory of being terrified the first time you watched it and everything, right? I mean, we have these with all these films, you know, like The Shining and stuff. I don't yeah. even have that with this movie. I watched this movie the first time. This is going to I can't believe I'm about to admit this right now. Wow. Wow. I saw this movie. It was, it was when it premiered on television. I was at a, like a second cousin's house. My, my family's real big. And we all know each other pretty well. I was at a second cousin's house playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> okay. His name is Jason. <laughs> oh, so, oh, God. So, the so literally movie, his name was Jason. His name was Jason, yeah. So I'm sitting with Jason, my my like second cousin. We're playing, we're playing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. And the TV was just on. That was it. And it just happened to be, and it just happened to be on. So it wasn't like I sat down to watch it. But of course, being a little horror fan, I knew it was hot. So I was like watching it out of the corner of my eye uh, while we were playing. That's how I remember it. That's how I watched it the first time. That's what I remember. The second time I saw it, I think it might have been on TV, like on a Saturday afternoon with commercials and everything. And I don't think I saw all of it. So I don't have this, like, this uh, nostalgia for that movie at all, except for when I, it, every time I've watched it, I've said, this is a damn good movie. Yeah. It's not, it's not cheesy. It's not, it's, it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not hokey, I don't think. It's not think. very tongue-in-cheek. There's still a sense of humor about it. There's the, there the, is. You know, there's, you know, like with the Ted character, you always got a prankster. There's, it's kind of mm -hmm. a, become synonymous with the Friday the 13th movies, at least the first several of them. Yeah. 
it, it feels played very straight, you know, uh, despite the, the humor in it, the humor with Ted's character, the, the, the humor yeah. surrounding, you know, you got Crazy Ralph, you got Muff, Muffin the dog, you know, and, and everything. Oh, but, I want that dog to die. <laughs> as far as I was concerned, I thought that dog was walking around killing everybody too. You know, I was <laughs> I was always like the, the part that always makes me feel un, uh, uncomfortable is like when the Scott character that Russell Todd plays is just uh-huh. like when he strikes out with the girl. He's just like, "How about you? You want to dance?" And then he's dancing with the dog, and it almost feels like he's hitting on the dog. And it, it is just like this. I know they're playing this for last, but it just doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. someone who has uncomfortable. Someone who is not the life of the party wrote this scene. <laughs> yeah. You know what Which, would be funny? A bestiality kind of joke. That would be Yeah. Funny. <laughs> right, right, right. But, no, I, yeah, you're right. And and it's, you know, you brought up Crazy Ralph. Um, I remember when I saw it the first time, too, that the only thing that was keeping my interest when I was watching it the first time I was playing Dungeons & Dragons was I want to know who the hell it was. I was yeah. watching like a mystery. Like, who is it? Like, I want to know. So I'm watching this going, who the hell is, it? you know, who? I, I could not figure it out. And I thought, you know, it, you, you sort of think it's Ralph, but then you don't want to go down that road again. You know, people listening to this might be going, what the hell are you talking about? I am talking about watching this movie in 1981, not in 2021. Oh, right. Where we right. all know it's Jason. We all, we all understand he had the bag over the head. We know, you know, this and that and everything, you know, but I'm talking about then. You know, and, and it's something I always like to really pound home about that film because I love the film. I defend the hell out of it. I think it's way better than the first film. Um, and I have an affinity for the, the like the first three even even numbered films. I, I really like the second film. I really like the fourth film. And the sixth film to me, like you, like it's not my favorite one, but it's a, it's the most fun one for sure. Like I, I could watch that movie every week and have a ball watching it. Yeah, it's all. It almost always feels like watching Jason Lives feels like watching it again for the first time. It's, it's mm-hmm. never any less fun than it was the previous time you've seen it. Right, right. Um, and and you know Friday Thirteenth Part Two, I've seen it so many times. It's one of the movies. I'm sure you and your wife have the same thing you have a little small stable movies you keep going back to you know yep. like oh, uh, yes. we'll watch we'll watch alien a lot you know or maybe even aliens you know because I, I i've come to like that movie more and more as i got i didn't like it a whole lot when it came out believe it or not and then as i got older i kind of enjoy it more um we watch uh the giant claw <laughs> a lot of the 50s movies we watch a lot we do oh uh, the you know? fly is one that we go back to a lot that's a good one that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and Friday the 13th Part 2 is another one of the movies that we go back to a lot. And again, I think that it's the movie that is ripped off for forever after it. Forever after it. It's, yeah. it's the original. It's, it's the psycho of, the, of those kinds of slasher movies. Not that, you know, because Psycho was a psychological slasher movie. And to me, Friday the 13th was a visceral slasher movie. You know, it, oh, was a, it was a killing machine. Where, whereas Norman Bates was complicated, Jason was not complicated. He was very simplistic in his, you know, um, he was just a brute. You know? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and speaking of being a brute, though, but this is the first time that, at least in one scene, that in any of the Jason movies, any of the Friday the Thirteenth, where Jason was played by a woman. Yes, that is correct. 
Yeah, in the right beginning, op- that that opening scene that takes mm-hmm. place. This I guess it's like, uh, it's, although it's never really said in the film, that's supposed to be taking place what a couple months after the events of the first movie. At least we're just what we're led to believe. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've read some pretty fun things and seen things like with, where people took the the math of Friday the Thirteenth and realized we should probably be like in the year like twenty eighty, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> because the movies take they're, they're a year apart. But you're right. Uh, when Jason kills uh, Adrian King's character, yeah, it's supposed to take place a couple months later, and then um, and that's a pretty good, pretty good suspense scene. It, it it goes on a little long if you know it. Yeah, um, yeah. Once you get familiar with it and you've seen it a few times, it does go on a bit long. Yeah. And how about that? Taking our final girl from the first movie, uh, Alice, you know Adrian King's character, and bumping her off like right at the beginning, right. you know, right and. What I remember, I never knew this until I started getting into some of the special features on the the Blu-ray I got here just this past week, and like I knew, I I know just from being a fan, you know, some of the the trivia and whatnot. But I did not know they didn't have a script for her, that she mm-hmm. had no idea that she was going to die and improv most of her like dialogue on this when she gets the phone call from her mother. Like mm-hmm. that, this is bonkers nuts for me that they were going to ask her to come back and like, listen, we ain't got a script for you and we're not going to tell you what you're going to do, but you want to work for two days. Right. Right. Well, and I know that part of it had to do with she had a stalker. Too. Right. I and didn't know that. Didn't, and, and so, so now she actually, that's what she told me. Cause I talked to her a long, long, long time ago before I saw special features, you know, for the, for the movie and stuff. And I talked to her about the, the second one a little bit. And, uh, you know, she started telling me about that. And, I, you know, it's just something I just, I'd never heard before. You know, she said, well, I had a stalker. And I'm like, oh, really? She's, he goes, she goes, yeah, it was really bad. Like, he was breaking into my apartment and stuff. And it was over this movie. She goes, I had to move to England for a while. You know, like, to basically let it subside, I guess, or whatever. And so she said, I really couldn't, really couldn't be in the second movie as much as maybe they might want or I might have wanted. And I think to her agent wasn't real keen on her doing it either i don't know if that was for her safety or for her career i'm not sure but i think that everybody who turned that down based on preference again like the people i'd mentioned that were involved in the first film i I think made a mistake but um i also think that it everyone graduated up in that movie so like the guy that might have been the camera operator on it was director of photography steve minor became director you know what I mean? Like, so everybody kind of graduated. So it was a lot of the same people. So it felt the same a lot, yeah, too. Yeah, which yeah, that, There's so a cool continuity going on there that, that it really does, you know, feel the same. What's interesting, too, is <clears throat> this is something that I kind of discovered recently because I didn't think about it. It's also one of only two Friday the 13th movies where he's killing camp counselors. Yeah. The, the 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 thing that Jason has become so synonymous with right. killing camp camp counselors, it's one of the only two, and the other one being one we've already mentioned again, part six. Jason right. lives, and, and you know this because this is your favorite movie. It's the, the I haven't read this. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me if I'm wrong or not. But it's the only movie, the only Friday the Thirteenth movie, where the actual campers are there. Yes. Part six the is one. the only one because in right. seven, there's no camp eight right. Manhattan. There's no camp. Jason goes to hell. No, no camp. Part five, no camp. Part four, three, no camp. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the literally area. the only one. Yeah, it's just the same area, same kind of plot of land, you know, surrounding areas and whatnot. Right. <laughs> I mean, hell, in part ten, they go to outer space. So let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jason in space. I wonder if anybody involved with the original, like, ever thought that it would go that far. Ever thought it would go <laughs> right. to like outer space? Right. But, right. Yeah. Well, you know, and and here the, the other, I think the other interesting conversation to have about Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is kind of an uncomfortable one these days too, but. It's Jason himself, um, who who I consider Steve Dash, my oh. late great friend Steve Dash, and probably your friend as well. I mean, the, he he yep. was a great guy I at the conventions. Yeah, met him uh, several he, times, and yes. uh, actually wrote a film that he uh, started. But very good. I mean, he yeah. he he was a he was a no no bullshit. He tell you how it was. You had to be able to handle that. You know, he had that East Coast kind of right in your face. Kind of, I like that, though. That's the kind of guy I kind he of... Remi- he reminded me a little bit of Joe Pesci. Yeah. Jo- Joe Pesci in a bigger man's body. Yeah, I was say, a giant version of him, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a giant version of him. But yeah, he, he kind of had that... that, that he had a voice kinda... like this when he talked to you. He talked yeah. to you like that, you know? I mean, he was one of the guys, you know? Yeah, it was a guy was... that you felt like just the, the aura that he gave off. You, did, you didn't want to fuck with him. For sure. No. Oh no, 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 not at all. You didn't no. want to get that stare, that Steve Dash stare. I'm gonna tell you, he had those eyes, man. Right, right. Um, and I think the reason I bring that up because I think Steve Dash was awesome. Oh, he was a great I, Jason. Yeah, I think he was so good in that. So good in that, you know, and just his movement. And and here's the other thing, too. I want to ask you if this bothers you because you're a fan of the series. Does it not bother the hell out of you when people talk about Jason Voorhees like he just walks, he doesn't run? Yeah, because he's obviously ran. He runs in part three. He runs in part four. He runs in part two. He's a gazelle. Yeah, he doesn't really just get to the walking part until part six. Understood. Until, and he still and, walks fast. He still has and he's, risk pace when he's walking. You know, yeah, I mean, if going. you really want to talk like walking slasher serial killers, let's talk about like Michael Myers. That's never exactly seen, right. Yeah, that's the that's the guy that never runs. No matter how fast right. you run, he walks faster. Right. Right. And so that that I th- it's always like irked me. It's the it's the it's. I have a real problem when people call the Frankenstein monster Frankenstein. I had the same problem when people uh, like complain about Jason running or not running. It's like Jason was a feral guy in the woods. He lived on raw rabbits. <laughs> he ran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he ran. If he wanted yeah. a deer, he didn't, you know, he didn't sneak up on it. You know, he was a big lumbering guy. He chased that thing down. Right, it right. was tired. He uh, didn't stalk it till it fell asleep. <laughs> he just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just he went after it. So but I'm yeah, off on like ten tangents people, here, but yeah. But that's that's also coming from people. I think the the type of people you're talking about are people that might have seen one or two Friday Thirteenth films and maybe haven't seen them as many times as we have. You know, right, we've seen right. them religiously. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't. I couldn't even tell you how many times I've seen Part Two. Well, it's Oh, right, right, exactly. I think what it bothers me is when you hear people like me or you, if you're watching like a special, fe- well, this happens way too often, if you're watching like a special feature, you know, or like a little documentary on something, and then you see someone say something like that, you're like, how did you get on this documentary? <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not going to name a name, 
but I remember the 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 whatever when somebody when somebody was talking about the kill in part two, which is very well known, where the two the, the couple are on the hammock, and the the they get speared. Yeah, they get speared together. Two for one right, deal, gets, I call it. Right, which is Twitch of the Death Nerve, you know, the last Twitch of the Death Nerve, which was done by Mario Bava back in the, like 10 years before. And, and, and I'm watching some special feature on Friday the 13th Part 2, and I won't name a name. It's a well-known person. But this person says, Do you, can you believe that? Like, that's never been done before. I mean, it, it made, they made a point. Of putting in the film. So my, my, my problem is not only did they have someone talking about Friday the 13th who, A, was not involved with the film. This person I'm talking about was not involved with the film at all. Um, and someone shot that. Someone edited it. Someone screened it. No one yeah. took it out. And that's what bothers me. It's like, and that's what, that to me is what causes... Um, People being incorrect by th- about things, like well, Frankenstein you know, people not, not being the scientist, you know, you know, not fact checking, you know, just right. not taking the time to be like, oh wait, I guess I was wrong. You should probably take that out. I was, I was wrong. That wasn't the first time that was done, right? You well, know. yeah. Well, not only that, but why are there people in charge of making this who don't know that if I know it? Does that make sense? Right. Like, yeah. I, I always feel like. How like, did they get I, the job doing this when they know less than yes. we do? <laughs> yeah, it's like an anti-ego type of thing. Like, it's not an ego thing with me. It's sort of like I would suspect that person should know a lot more than me. You know, like, I would suspect if you were actually had all this money together, you're putting this documentary together, you ought to have a pretty good working knowledge of, of cinema, of horror cinema yeah. and stuff. Uh, you at know? least and, of the source material you're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. And... And the other thing, too, is since that it's funny because I know that I'm not the only person who called that statement out on a previous documentary, because now if you watch any documentary about Friday the 13th Part 2, they bring up last death of the twitch nerve or last twitch of the death nerve. <laughs> they all do. Sean Cunningham says it. You know, they all say, well, yeah, it was in a Mario Baba movie. Now, he says he did not know that. I believe him. I don't think it's that unique of an idea. No, um, I mean, when you're trying to yeah. think of a, that your job is to think of like, okay, we we got eight kills or nine kills that we have to do here. We need to think of creative ways to do it. You're, there's right. only so many different ways, you know, and right. sooner or later, you're going to have a repeat. Right. Now, whether, and I have, right, right. And I have no problem not, with doing that. They saw that first, you know, they just don't cl- lay claim to something that's not yours. Right, right. And I have no problem with them doing it in the movie. And I don't even, I mean, Sean Cunningham has no problem saying that it was, it's been done before. It wasn't the first. I only have a problem when people are putting out there into the ether that it's never been done before, because that is how we get Frankenstein from Frankenstein's monster, is, is right. mental laziness. And I guess I'm kind of a stickler with that kind of thing. I'm a little more black and white, you know, about stuff. And I'm kind of like, no, that's just not true. I get in arguments all the time with people about the Frankenstein thing. And I've had people say, well, Frankenstein has become known. The monster has become known as Frankenstein. So, therefore, I should just, like, like accept that. You know, sort of like, well, you know, people well, just... It's like, well, well it's, accept something that's, that's inherently false. Yeah, and, and I literally have people try to rationalize, even though it's wrong. I mean, it's, it's clearly wrong. 
there's no, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's sort of like saying one plus one is two. It's, that's it. There's no gray area there. That's what it is. The Frankenstein monster. Yeah, there's no actually the one plus one is actually three and a half when you think about it. Not like, no, 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 I don't think so. (laughs) Right, 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 right. You know, I actually told one person one time, I said, I'll just read the credits of the film. (laughs) Go back to Frankenstein and read the credits, dude. See who Colin Clive is credited. Go to the source material and read the book. That's true too. But you then know, again, but, you know, that'd probably be like kryptonite to them. Like, oh no, like sunlight to a vampire. God, Lord, please no, not a book. <laughs> well, right, right. Well, yeah, right, exactly. And people like, but people like to rationalize by going to the movies. So they have to rationalize saying, well, that's because the movies did that. And I said, no, the movies did not do that. That's your imagination. They're like, no, they did. What about Frankenstein meets the Wolfman? I said, there's a woman in it, Evelyn Ankers. She plays, she plays Frankenstein's like niece or something. Her last name's Frankenstein. Yeah, and, and you hear silence. You know, it's like, oh, uh, okay. I think so. She met the Wolfman because they had a th- they had a cow had something cooking. Yeah, that you know, was just like, like uh, it's it, you know what I'm saying. So people are inherently lazy, and I think that's all there is to it. Right. <laughs> so I get frustrated by these things. And the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, starting with Part Two, is the beginning of my frustration. Jason running. It's Michael Myers that walks. It's not Jason. You know, you're right about after he gets after he's got worms in him. Yeah, he's well, not I also think, you know, Jason's a little old and you know, I might blow his knees out if he tries running, but he <laughs> walks at a quite brisk marching pace, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you take the chronological order of, of the scripts, he's like 400 years old by the fourth one. You know? Yeah, they keep yeah. jumping in time so far, you know, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm, I go off on like 25 different tangents. But the thing that's is, okay. this movie, though, the Friday the 13th Part 2, what's, what's really cool about it is that I don't have a big nostalgia for it i have a big respect for it as a very good suspenseful film you know like i I, it's a great film is choreographed so well but like when i think of my favorite friday 13th films if if to be quite honest it falls in the middle Mm -hmm. now that that says nothing about the rating i'm going to give it here later on but Mm -hmm. there's just you know i'm a friday 13th part six guy you know so that kind of Mm -hmm. shows you where my mentality Mm-hmm. Is, that's my <clears throat> ultimate Jason right there. Because people ask me, you know, what's your favorite Jason? What's your favorite Friday Thirteenth film? It's both C.J. Graham and Friday Thirteenth. Uh, Jason Lives, mm-hmm. but you know, How many people do you think, like, uh, well, we don't rent movies anymore like we used to, but how many people do you think will, let's say on Halloween, let's say someone who's just, they're not crazy, insane horror fans like we are. They're normal folks. They're real weird people. <laughs> they're yeah. normal folks. <laughs> so let's say yeah, on, on the, weir- the real like weirdos. On, yeah. So let's say like on Halloween or, or on a Friday the 13th, they decide, oh, let's watch Let's watch, you know, I need, I need some Jason, you know, or something like that. Let's watch Friday the 13th. How many people do you think sit through Friday the 13th who are unaware and, and get through the entire movie and then go, that was it? That was it. <laughs> but, oh, I bet a lot. Wait, of Jason, it was an old lady? What the hell is it? This is, is this Friday the 13th? You know, like, how many times do you think that happens now? But how many people do you think also 
are are it's suggested to them. I mean, you better get part two because there's no Jason in part one. It's, Jason's just an idea in part one. So you better get part two. How many people you think get part two and wait for the stupid hockey mask? Oh, I, I bet you it's about <laughs> the same thing. I bet they're probably right. wondering what's with this guy with the pillowcase on his head with the burlap sack on <laughs> right, his, on his right, head. Right, right, right. Um, and I think that it, it, I will say one thing. It does set the first two, including the first one, apart from the rest of the series. Um, it's clear Jason was not meant to have a hockey mask for the rest of the world, for the rest of eternity. It was clear he was only meant to wear it at the end of part three, and it gets knocked off, and that's it. Um, and which is true. If you, if, you talk, if, you, if you listen or talk to any of those guys, they'll say, ah, we, it just worked so well. We just did it again. You know, it's, right, it right. was one of those deals. You know, it's like, because you know, the odds of finding two... The odds of finding two hockey masks, you know, in a 24-hour period, just sitting around, really low. And I, I think the fifth one, which is, oh, it's very controversial, I know, for many, many, it's like, it's like the Halloween three of the series. It's the one they try to do something kind of different, and it failed, of course, you know. Well, oh, yeah. Then they went back I don't to say the it well. failed. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's not. That's not accurate. It didn't fail, but it, it 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 ruffled a few feathers. Let's put it that way. It got a little for obvious reasons and stuff. I think the one you like a lot is embarking on a completely different timeline, almost. Like I think it's a different universe, almost. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no oh, mother anymore. Uh, if you remember, the mother's mother pops out of the water in the, the third one, so you think maybe she's going to become a zombie killer too. You don't even know what the hell's going on with that. You know. Um, but she's just sort of written out, you know, like the corpse that he has set up and everything, you know. So all that stuff is pretty much gone. And, and you're right where that is the beginning of the, quote, zombie unstoppable Jason. Well, I mean, you know, the, it was the, the sixth one. The mother, the last time I think the mother is even referenced is when they see her grave in part four. In that little. Yeah. Three seconds that they have her grave. And that's really it. And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, right. yep, she, she existed. And that was that was it. what they do in the beginning, like 15, 20 minutes of this movie, they kill off Alice, you know, they give, give her the good old ice pick through the head and Walt Gorney, who I love is crazy Ralph. He, he gets strangled with what uh, a piece of barbed wire, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's pretty much the only links to the first movie. They're just like, Hey, you know, we're starting off on a new journey here with part two. This is a whole mm -hmm. new thing. And, but I love how really not until the end, I mean, they plant the ideas when, uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Paul, when Paul, mm -hmm. when, he get, when he gives the whole, I don't want to scare anyone, but, you know, I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. And he, you know, they do the practical joke where Ted jumps out in, in a, you know, looking like a, a warrior, you know, with his face all painted. <laughs> no, he has the, the mask yeah. and the spear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I love that scene. I love that scene. It's played out so well. It's timed so well. But, like, right. I love when it, you know, it really does explain grown jason to a t you know especially when they get later on where uh, uh our final girl jenny amy Steele's character i love when she she pretty much explains everything he, she tells you right yeah. out but everybody's just like i you know it's a bunch of bullshit you know but you know like she said could you imagine this boy growing up already if you listen to what she's saying and what paul says that you know it's kind of funny too how all of the sequels not all of them but a lot of the sequels open with paul's speech at the campfire yeah uh 
Part and, four and, does, I think, doesn't it? Yeah. If I remember right. Part I think four. like I'm pretty sure a couple of them do. I mean, if not just part four, I I I thought a couple of them did. But you know, I I haven't really researched that, but I know every time I'm popping in one of those movies. I'm like, oh, there's Paul. There he is, like yeah. doing the. I don't want to scare you about Jason. <laughs> not a, we not all a bit of uh, trivia. This is about part seven, but uh, Walt Gorney is as an uncredited crazy Ralph does the uh, narration and the voiceover at the beginning of part seven. I did not know that. I that did was, not know uh, that until uh, until this past couple of days when I was just doing research. But interesting yeah, i figured that yeah because i was like i always felt like the the voice was familiar but i couldn't mm-hmm. ever quite place it and he just went uncredited but yep that's walt gorney nice, so we do get nice. a turn to crazy ralph even six sequels in sort of right he was a great character i mean just that you're all doomed <laughs> it's, it, it's funny yeah. but it was creepy back well, then I use, you know i, I mean? use that i use that quote in our our intro music you know so yeah uh-huh, definitely uh-huh. Well, he was, and he was a good red herring too, because even in the first, he would have been a better killer in the first one, to be frank with you. Uh, but yeah, he was, he played the part of sort of the harbinger, I guess they would call it, and and uh, the red herring in a way. But I, you know, there's both at the same really time. Would, right, right. There, there really was like I, I always thought, and of course, he was the obvious red herring as you watch it now, but. I don't, I don't know if there wasn't one person who watched the first film who wasn't at least wondering if he was going to be the killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was a little out there, you know, and he was, well, plus he kind of had those weird clothes on, you know, like they have like the brown hush puppies or whatever the hell are the boots, you know, they're wearing and stuff. Right, and he was kind of right. dressed a little shrumpy like odd. that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A little odd. And he was more than sure gets off yeah. pretty quick. He gets off fairly quick. I mean, he's kind of creeping around the camp at one point at, Past the the scene where uh, oh how, whom the hell did he uh, was the Jeff and Sandra have the run in with Crazy Ralph when he does the whole I told them before they didn't listen to me they're all doomed <laughs> but then he's peeping on peeping on um uh Jenny's character Jenny and Paul where they're making out and then he's just dead uh-huh. he's just dead I mean he's boom gone so from that point on there is no red herring it's just a guy in in a with the sack over his head, not just a guy with a right. sack over his head, you know, not meaning that way, but it's right. You have no red herring after that. There's nobody else right. to like suspect. Well, I thought he'd be the dad. When I was little watching this, trying to figure out what was going on. Interesting. You know, I don't like I don't like movies tricking me. Um, I love watching magicians because I get real irritable when I've been fooled. I don't like to be tricked. I don't like to be surprised. I don't like surprises. Don't surprise parties, whatever. I don't like surprises. I want to know what's happening. I do. I don't want to be unprepared for anything. You know, I do not. I I, I don't like to be fooled. I don't like sh- shitty twists in movies. Um, I'm always like, I'm always on guard for them because I always feel like there was a there was a after uh, the Sixth Sense came out, there was this whole rash of movies that had this like they they were all like amazing endings. You know, like. That basically all they yeah. did was they they showed you a bunch of jump scares and at the end of the movie said ah it was all a dream it was that kind of trope uh, and they I did hate it forever. that trope of everything was just a dream it's, it's rarely flatter yeah rarely yeah, if ever thing. has that ever worked for me no I don't because the whole movie and so 
I got to the point where I started, and this was my decline in newer horror films. They, they put so many of those out that I started watching horror films and started immediately getting bored because you could see the twist and therefore you knew these characters were in no peril whatsoever. It was all in their head. The whole movie, you're mm -hmm. sitting there going, oh, great, a spooky ghost. I guess he's imagining that now. And, and yeah. you just didn't care anymore. You know, it's like, I don't, I care about what's really happening. And I care about what's happening in the real world and stuff. And this is why I like the Friday the 13th, because it was like people attacking people. I like monster movies where monsters are attacking. If you have a ghost story, it better be a good, well-written story like The Changeling you know, or something like that where you're, where you're roping someone in. This, to me, I thought that the big twist or whatever was going to be, that's the dad. That's why he's warning everybody. It makes yeah. sense. You know, I almost think yeah. they should have done it in a way, you know, like that at least it was his dad. Maybe not being the killer, but discovering that that was the father because it's always drove me nuts. And I did not know that about, uh, was you say part six, they had, they had a, yeah. uh, uh, there was supposed a to be a potential storyline. Yeah. Uh, forget the name of the caretakers in that movie. It might have been Marvin, I think. But the, the drunk caretaker was supposed to originally not meet his end uh, at the end of his whiskey bottle like, you know, he does in the movie. That he was supposed was to be Lucy like... Lucy or something? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Lucille, you yeah. led me astray. <laughs> but he was... He throws that thing. But that they scene. do a whole yeah. audio thing where they put, have they have music, they have people doing the voices and whatnot, and they have the, the same actor, which again, I should have looked this up and but i didn't look up it with his real name but he really lent his voice credits to play the caretaker again basically just like hey i did as you want the you know the, the plot's been taken care of they're both buried and then and it's just like he's just kind of standing there looking like looking like hell on two legs you know uh -huh. and i why they didn't end it off on that note i thought it would have been so much so much better and i love right jason lives to me that movie couldn't get much better but uh well, and you know, yeah. we're 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 talking about the sequels up to part seven, and and directly correlating them back to part two. Yeah. And so yeah. what I'm telling you is that what what I'm what I'm saying about part two and why to me it's the ultimate Friday the Thirteenth because to me it is the Empire Strikes Back of the Friday the Thirteenth world. You know, it's the it's the real beginning of that whole story. And I, I'm, I'm again to me Friday the Thirteenth, the original one, is sort of an aberration. It's its own thing. It's a totally different thing. And everything after it, it's as, it's as much to be its own thing as almost as much its own thing as Halloween 3, where you can just kind of put it right. alone as a movie and let it go. Again, I always tell people, don't even, I, I shouldn't say I always tell people, but I have said it before. If you just watch Friday the 13th Part 2, you get the first one in the first 15 minutes. You get the good yeah, part. Yeah, a much shorter, condensed version. I mean, it yeah. almost plays off like... If you didn't know any better, it almost plays off like a prequel. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I see that. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I, I absolutely agree with that, you know. But here's the thing, too. In my opinion, it's also, uh, as far as that genre I was talking about, of fear, feral killers out in the woods, which we've had oodles and oodles of them, of course. Uh, my opinion, it's the best one. That's why I said, to me, it's the psycho of the, it's the exorcist. It's the jaws of the, of that type of film, in my opinion. I think that it, that I will, I will put the last 20 minutes of Friday the 13th part two up against any other suspense action sequence uh, ever. 
I mean, I'll just put it up against it and say, look, I mean, you can you can kind of laugh at some of the dialogue with the the stilted 80s. They're trying to be funny. They're not anymore at all. You can (laughs) like when they're all telling when they're telling the jokes like, you know, what's green and red and goes 90 miles an hour? (laughs) Like, like, oh, they're telling dad jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And but it's still, you know, I mean, like back then, like when uh, the, the Ted character had his handheld video games and when, uh, oh, who is it? Uh, who, who, who's uh, the Vicky and Mark, the mm-hmm. Mark, the guy that's in, in the, the, the wheelchair and then Vicky, right, the girl right. that's obviously into him. She's like, hey, which do you want to play football or hockey? Uh-huh. It's like, eh, that's, that, that, <laughs> that's all we really had back in the 81. Right, I mean, I right. guess, you know. Right, right. It's not like somebody mm-hmm. would just like throw their phone down on the table and like I got twenty seven games and apps on my phone we can play right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but it's still I funny. Mean, it, it, it's endearing, you know. Right, it, it, right. It's it's cute almost for lack of better term. Right, and and what's what's fun about these this series of films is that I'm not right, you're not right, but you are for you, and I'm right for yeah. me. Right. You know, I think I think what. I like to do is say, this is why I love this. And I, I articulate it via my uh, frustration and the confusion surrounding the way the, the series ties together and the running and the masks and stuff like that. And, you know, I was a kid, it, it meant so much to me to be able to see these movies and stuff and to just know that other people just don't care as much. <laughs> Oh, it's just like, oh, oh, yeah, there's no more greater of offense to, to, to my psyche than when people just are like, yeah, like, I know I'm wrong, but I don't give a shit. Yeah, like, it doesn't right. matter. Like, right. it How does dare matter. you? I, I turned into, I turned into uh, a Walt from uh, uh, John Goodman's character from uh, Big Lebowski. I it's just wanted, oh, yeah. Does nobody care about the fucking rules? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And no, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. Right, right. exactly. Speaking of the rules, this movie yeah. does break a rule. It breaks okay. a, a horror movie trope that anybody that has sex, does drugs, True. or parties, dies. True. Now, Ted, the, the original prankster, this is a note that I made here. I made very few notes, to, to be honest. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, I reviewed Terminator 2 the other day. I made three pages of notes because the, the nostalgia factor I have with that movie is strong. <laughs> right. But right. this movie, I made like about a full page of notes, but because uh-huh. it's just I've seen it so many times, I know it by heart. But I had to like touch base on the fact that Ted and the rest of the uh, the people that are just known as extra campers, that because like watching it this time, I started saying to myself, "Man, there's a lot of extra campers in here." Yeah. That just like, yeah. and I almost forgot that they all go to town for one night. Like, hey, you know, tomorrow we go back to work. So right. everybody go to town, get some partying out of your system, hang out because right. first thing tomorrow we're we're back at it. They right. end up living because they decide to party. They decide Ted decides right. to go out for you know chasing girls and booze, and the other group you know stay for last call. So they miss out on all the killing and all the action. Well, which is right. good for them because for the first time, like in one of these kind of movies, and I think really one of the only times. At least as far as I, I know, it's one of the only times where somebody is saved by partying. Right. You're, I thought about yeah. that, too, when I was watching it the last time, too. And uh... Yeah, I mean, because let's 
face it, they're all kind of fodder. They're all collateral damage to right. the exception of that final girl or final guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And it showed that Jason didn't discriminate. He would hack up anybody. Didn't matter if they were in a wheelchair or not. They were in his woods, <laughs> damn it. Uh-uh. Did not Now, did I want to ask you, what do you think yeah. happened to Terry? Because speaking of another trope, you know, Terry goes, I think this, I remember reading somewhere or hearing in the Crystal Lake Memories that this was the first movie to kind of use the trope of skinny dipping. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if that's true. Like, again, I didn't, I didn't fact check. I'm just going off a of memory from what I heard. So, so don't kill me, people. <laughs> but I'm like, right, right, sure right, right. the first one. Uh, but like, she just kind of like looks at the camera, gets that shocked look on her face and they cut. They never show her body. They never show what happened to her. They never show an aftermath. We're just led to believe that her death happens off camera. So, always- Well, and I think that that's right. I think that I just, I take it that way. I think that, you know, like, first of all, uh, the first, the first Friday the 13th, um, it's funny because it, I think they only like, the censors only took like nine seconds out of it or something. Like it was barely touched, uh, but it became so controversial after the fact that by the time Friday the 13th came through the censors, I know they, they kind of were, were butchering it. You know, they were taking yeah. a lot of stuff out because they took a lot of shit for Friday the 13th. Again, we go back like, and look at these movies now. They're very tame. I mean, they're very tame. But so, yeah, then but they, they took 40, 45, 50 seconds out of this movie, I think. They, they did. You know, but I always also remind people, it's like, yeah, but they took like 15 minutes out of Frankenstein. In the yeah. 30. I mean, they did. I mean, it's all violence, which I, oh my God, if they could find a complete copy of that. Oh, oh I, I'd be so happy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I'd be more happy kind of... to find that than like the, uh, a copy of that long lost Cheney flick, the, the London after midnight. I think I'd be more happy oh, to yeah, find absolutely. an uncut version absolutely. of Frankenstein. I'd rather see that than the clown that cried. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, me or the too. day the clown cried or whatever. Me too. Yeah. So or the day the laughter that, died, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Or, or I, mean, I thought it was the day the clown died, but it, whatever the Jerry Lewis movie is, yeah, the Jerry it's supposed Lewis to be one. so terrible that he won't let it out. And you know what? We know. We know. What do you think? It's probably pretty terrible, actually. Yeah, it, oh, it probably like, is. But I still want to see it. I still want to see it. I know. It. I do, too. I but do we too. did I get, you know, um, I don't know if this would be I'm, – I'm not trying to sell you that box set because I, I know I've mentioned it already a couple times. But I'll, I'll try to – I'll inadvertently try to sell it to you again. There is the the found VHS work print footage that they have on there were all the cut kill scenes from part two. But everything else was, you know, put back in there. All the uh, what the you... kill scenes and whatnot, all the blood, all the effects. It was right. You know, it's funny that I've never really been that miffed or interested. It's it's very odd with me. Really? It's like, like, yeah, I've just never been very like people like, oh, you really kill a lot. I was like. Yeah, they. Every movie has a lot of shit cut out of it. I mean, if you made a movie, you cut a lot of shit out of it, right? I mean, you didn't put every frame you shot in your movie uh, you made. Hell, I cut right? thirty-five I mean, minutes out of postmortem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, do you really want people to obsess over the shit you cut out? I mean, because you cut it out for a reason, because it didn't it didn't work or it didn't come to your liking. You made the movie you wanted to make. Now, I know they edited stuff because of censors. I get that. Yeah, totally and, understand and that's what it, most of I, the stuff was, was just the censored material, you know, the the cut bits and bobs of gore. And I'm a gore hound, so, like, I I want to see that. I want to see that part. Right. Well, you know, it's it's kind of odd. I think when I was younger, I would have I would have cared more. 
But I think it's really the movies I love. I, I, the gore is so, like, it's so tame back then compared to what you, you could see now anyway. I mean, you see more on The Walking Dead, which is a television, pro, a commercial television program now that you can, than you see in those movies. And Hell, you can see more first, on a, a CSI or an SVU type sure. show. Sure. And, and for some odd reason, the... Now, if someone put, like, an unrated version of it out, like, complete, high def, like... A good transfer of the whole thing. Oh, I'm on board for that. Right, but to, right. But to, but to kind of look at other, like, like stuff they had cut out and stuff, I find it interesting, but not enough for me to get real excited about. Like, because I think the movie itself is so good, I just don't care. I know it sounds odd. I just don't care. Like, when they were talking... Not to like each their they, own, right? When they put He's, The Exorcist back together... Uh, with the stuff that they cut out of The Exorcist, I don't think it helped it at all, to be honest with you. So I think no. that there's a reason things were cut out. Um, the the one that really bothers me, where everyone celebrated this, and I just could not have been more disappointed, was Nightbreed. I hated it. I, I can't, I've watched it once. I haven't been able to watch it again. And I've been searching for a high Now, was that the director's cut or the cabal yeah. cut? It's like yeah. three, three and a half. There's one that's like three, three and a half hours long, I think. Oh, you won't even get me to sit down and watch that. I'd rather slam my weenie in a glass sliding door than watch a three-hour version of that. There's no Ooh. way. I because Shots yeah, fired. Oh, I, oh, no, 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 no. Because, I mean, you have to understand, though. I mean, I really did like I could not wait to see that. The, I'm talking about the, the two-hour cut, the, the director's cut that was put out in Blu-ray. Um I think Joel Robinson, our pal Joel, I think he did the artwork for that too. I think so. I think he did. Yeah. It's got his yeah, he's doing, he did look to the, it, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, and look, it's almost like they emphasize the, the fun in the 90-minute version, and clearly that's not where they wanted to take it when they were filming it. And so I get all that. I just don't like it. I just I, – I think yeah. the problem is – my other problem is I, just give me the other version too, please. Yeah, it's almost like a George Lucas thing. Just, just give me the movie. I mean, just—I'll take your crappy re-edit and re-digitize whatever. Just give me a, just so I can watch it. It's not going to hurt you any. You wouldn't be putting out this disc had that original version not come out. So why right. run away from it? <laughs> I don't understand that. Why run away from it? You know, it's like you can't do. Once it's out there, it's not yours anymore. It belongs to everyone, whether you like it or not. You know, I, I mean, if you put if you put a song or a movie out or a piece of art or a podcast, it's out there. You yeah, can't take it off people's it, phones. Yeah. yeah. It belongs so, to them. It belongs. Well, it belongs to you still, but it belongs to everybody right. else. Absolutely. Yeah, that's like you said, I'm, the, the I'm, Lucas yeah. thing, you know, having to do with the, uh, you know, the different versions of Star Wars that are out there and trying to get rid of those original versions and whatnot. It's like, why? Just let them be where they are. Just, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Lucas's biggest mistake is just not putting out. If he, how much money would that dude have made if he would have put out the unedited versions of Star Wars? And when you watch them, you realize, okay, he's kind of right about some of the stuff. You know, he watched, okay, right. some of the, yeah, the Death Star blowing up wasn't as exciting as it was back in 77. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like a firecracker. On yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a, yeah, firecracker yeah. in a Christmas ornament. Sure, but, you know, um, I, you know, I might have even said this on, on one of your podcasts before, but the, the, the most, one of the most poignant stories I heard was Spielberg talking. 
and I know this has a lot to do with Friday the 13th part two, but hey, Spielberg, it, it's kind of going back to like the edited stuff out, you know, the, the stuff that, that you said that you saw, you know, and everything Friday the 13th. And I said, well, it doesn't really matter to me that much. Well, Spielberg said that they asked him about Jaws before they put Jaws out on Blu-ray. And they said, are you going to digitize uh, Jaws like you did E.T.? This is how I know he thought it was a mistake, by the way. He said, no. He goes, let me tell you a story. He goes, I was, I was sitting in my home, my home theater. A Spielberg's home theater must be slightly impressive. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> so <I> gotta imagine. <laughs> oh, I imagine it is. I imagine yeah. it is. I got a nice one, but I'd probably be a little, little baby in a corner crying if I saw his. But he said he's watching the original uh, War of the Worlds, uh, you know, from the 50s, the George Powell, you know, production. Yeah. He says he, he's watching it and he's just amazed at all these old effects, you know, how colorful they were and stuff. And he started kind of laughing because he could see the, the ropes basically holding up the <laughs> holding the spaceships up, which are pretty clearly they're in there. You can see them. Oh, yeah. They, they didn't have a digital erasing uh, like they didn't do nowadays. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So he's watching this and he he said, I said to myself, boy, isn't that great? Isn't that great to just see, just to, just to see that and know that it happened, you know, and stuff. And he goes, thank God, you know, like they didn't take that out. And he said that when he said that, he goes, oh, geez, that's me. That's me. You know, he's like, when he realized it was a mistake, he decided that when they put Jaws out, that he was going to let him like color correct it, you know, stuff like normal stuff you want to do to an old negative anyway. Uh, they color corrected, they did all that, but he made sure they did not, they didn't digitize anything really. You know, he's like, if, if there's anything digital in there, it might be like taking a, a scratch out or something. You know, he's like, no, no, I just left it the way it was for better or for worse. It is what it is. And, and then I the think that's the way to said, go. Right. And then the interviewer said, well, could you talk to George Lucas for us? <laughs> Spielberg <laughs> goes, to you talk this? to George. I ain't saying nothing about it. <laughs> So he's like, no, you talk to George. But I have not seen the stuff edited out of Friday the 13th Part 2. And I really, yeah. I mean, I'll, 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 I don't mind looking at it because it's interesting. But I'd rather yeah, see it. Like I said, if anything, it's, it's interesting to see as an oddity. It's just like, oh, okay, sure. yeah, so right, that's right. what they originally wanted to do before the MPAA got their panties in the bind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, like I said, it's good. It's not edited back into the film. It's just a, a deleted scene. You know, kind of montage. It's, it's just VHS quality, though, too, isn't it? Like, isn't yes. it like a VHS, the, what, the effects guy had or something? Because he had yeah, the rights to keep his... His cut, his, yeah. Yeah, his intellectual property, basically. Yeah, and yeah. that's pretty much all it is. And there's no sound. There's no sound at all. Okay. So okay. it's just it's, it's interesting to watch that 45 to 50 seconds. Like I said, if anything, just as an oddity to be like, oh, okay. What's most impressive okay. on it? What, what did you find most impressive that was cut out? The spear scene that was really pretty graphic. Uh, Jason's got the spear in the middle of uh, what's his name's Jeff's back, and he's kind of uh-huh. moving it around and grinding it, you know. Uh-huh. And I can imagine with sound effects like what it would have been like. It was just that was probably the the, the best scene. And Walt Gorney, the uh, Crazy Ralph's death scene is extremely long and pretty gruesome. Really, really, that that is interesting to me. So how is that longer than? I mean, it's just him. It kind of cuts back and forth between him and uh, uh, not Amy Steele. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say uh, Amy Steele, Jenny, and Paul. 
when they're in her cabin, it kind of cuts back and forth more. And there's just as it cuts back, there's more blood. He's tightening the the barbed wire uh, crazy. Well, he struggles mm-hmm. a lot more where he just kind of kind of fades out really quickly in the, in the you know, in the original cut. It just, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit more struggling, a little bit more, a little bit more brutal, a little bit more anguish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, like I said, it doesn't, uh, do I feel like it should have been or needed to be edited back into the movie? No. Again, it's just, I keep using the term, is this an oddity? Is this something that's like, huh, well, that's what, what it was originally supposed to look like. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I think I think some of these movies too had a little bit of that. What's in your imagination is worse than what they yeah. could ever put on the screen. Too. I know that there was. Um, uh, well, well, it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. You know, it's been well documented now how bloodless that movie is. But it took a long time for that stereotype to get out there from that movie. It's an ugly oh, yeah. film. I mean that in a positive way, by the way. It's an ugly oh, yeah. grindhouse type of film, but it's not a bloody film. It's a it's a dirty film. It's a maybe it's gross. Gr- film. It's dirty. It's grimy. It's sweaty and sticky, but it's not bloody. Yes, it's not bloody. It's not really very gory at all. You know, so I would say the goriest thing is probably what the propped up skeleton jelly monster thing in the be- in the beginning or whatever. Yeah, that, you know, I mean like that's the corpse that's on the which is. That's another thing that's kind of underrated, I think, in that movie. That's that opening of that, you know. But anyway, yeah, nobody um, ever talks about that, you know. <laughs> yeah, always talk know, about like, like hey, I'm getting a hang on hung on a hook, and which right. like people say, oh, when the hook goes into her back, but yeah, it never does. You never see it. it, it right, right. It's, it's, it's right. that thing. Right. It, it it gets back to that point of people calling the Frankenstein's monster Frankenstein is just like, mm-hmm. you know, you can call it that and you can say whatever you want, but it doesn't, doesn't make, make it, it true. true. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, well and I think that with these Friday the 13th, like the movies too, like I think sometimes those edits away, um, I don't think hurt a lot. You know what I mean? Like, no. I think that, but what's happened is like, you know, when you, when you end up with a whole subgenre called torture porn, you end up real realizing when you just when you have no net and you just go all out. I think it can be boring. You know, yeah, like, it I, makes you movies, at least, if anything, it makes you desensitized to it. Yeah, and you know, it kind of takes a suspension of disbelief out for me a little bit. And I don't have any anymore anyway. I mean, people like us who watch movies constantly, you lose that. You start watching it. For different reasons. You start watching it for nostalgia, for technical reasons, for fun, to laugh, you know. Uh, you, you're yeah, not but really, like when, I don't when really the, submerse in a character anymore, you know. Yeah, it's like, if anything, any anymore now, like, the the magic of it is is not dead. But it's, it's died off, at, at least a little bit, because, like, I know how so many of the tricks are done. There's not very often do I say to myself, hmm, how did they do that? Now, right. well, I might like an effect or a stunt and be like, okay, I'm clueless to how they pulled that off. But for the most part, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's a prop. That's a that's a hands-on special effect. Or that's digital, that's CGI, or that's green screened, or that's black screened. You know, I, mm-hmm. th- the magic is kind of lost a little bit anymore. Now I just do it for strictly for the entertainment. Right. I think that it... <sighs> 
This movie, I'll tell you about it. Every time I, I bring up this movie, I have to be very careful because of because of people's feelings toward it for various reasons or whatever. But let's take a movie that's very controversial, that is very difficult to sit through if you're in a certain mindset. Serbian film. How did I know you were going to mention that one? I knew well, it. I knew it. <laughs> the thing is, is that the further they push that movie, the more I kind of was... I don't want to say I laughed at it, but you just knew they were trying to push your buttons. That's all. You, yeah. you, it's sort of like you, you, you start pulling out of it a little bit. Like, okay, now wait a minute. And first of all, the most controversial, I guess, scene or scenes in that movie are pretty fake. <laughs> you know, oh, God. They're pretty fake. The, the ideas of it are awful. Yes, disgusting. I always say, though, that I think that if it bothers you, then start researching human trafficking because the shit happens. And yep. that's what's really disgusting. That's what's really disturbing. It's not the movie. It's the way when it reminds you that if they can think of it, if you can think of something, it happens. That's yeah, it's happened before. That's disturbing. That's what's disturbing to me. The movies, to me, are movies. But then again, we watch a lot of movies, so we can separate ourselves from these things in a way. I have more fun... And maybe it is my age now. You know, like you said, you're a gore hound. I used to really be interested in the gore, but not because I like to see the gore. I like the artistry of it. I think, I'm not saying you're not like that too, but I'm just saying like, like we watched, uh, this was a very good documentary the other night, me and Angie did, called Smoke and Mirrors uh, about Tom Savini. Tom Savini, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I've heard uh, of it. I haven't seen it, but I know of it, yes. It's really good. It's in, in, I told Angie, you know, I said, I knew Tom Savini's name before a lot of directors' names. You know, I said, because when we were little kids, we were buying Fangoria and stuff, and Tom Savini was all over, was plastered all over those books, because oh, he was yeah. the effects guy in a lot of those slasher films. He was cheap, he, he, he was resourceful, and he, and was, he was creative, damn good. he knew what he was doing. He was damn good, he knew what he was doing, you know? I mean, I think that... Um, I think he was more of a, of a wound kind of guy and like a stab kind of guy. I, I, I do have a lot of respect for like the creep show work he did. And I think he wanted to show he could do that kind of stuff, which is kind of cool. Like the monster actually making big monsters yeah. and stuff, you know, wasn't really his forte at the beginning of his career, let's say. And then something I didn't know uh, was that his hands have gotten bad, which is why he doesn't do effects anymore. Um, oh, he doesn't, no he basically said, my hands are useless. And, and as a guitar player who suffers from arthritis in his hands and has for a while, I, I feel what he's saying. I know what he's saying. It sucks. You can't see it on someone. You have no idea, but it hurts. And it, it's debilitating to the point where you just want to avoid it. <laughs> you know, it sucks. So, but uh, that's me and my knees. <laughs> I, well, yeah, well, and, and I liked the artistry of the gore. So if they had the old machete with the little half moon cut out, you know, where they would cut someone's throat. I, I mm -hmm. love seeing how that, remember I just told, I told you, I love magicians because I hate being tricked. So my first, first thing I wanted to do was how did they do that? How did they do that when I was real little? You know, but it's, I don't think it's really that big of a stretch to understand how they did anything in these movies. You know, like.
like the burning when when Savini when Savini has the the garden shears goes through the guy's throat. If, oh, if anybody yes. can't tell, that's a fake throat under a head that's buried underneath that. I don't know what the hell you're looking at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's I mean, cool. It looks good. I, don't know I mean, it looks good. It does but look good. You can, yeah, you can guess like. Okay, here's where the head ends and the fake neck begins. and yeah. Right, right. And I think it's that suspension of disbelief we're talking about, too, you know? And I think that, that that's something I don't have anymore. But I think it was almost a defense mechanism when I was a little kid because I didn't want these movies to scare me anymore. I just wanted to enjoy them. So the more I understood how they made them, the less they were scary to me. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I was scared by a horror movie i might have been gotten a little creeped out here and there but like the, the times that uh, the time for me being scared by a horror movie or being scared by an effect or a monster is long gone you know mm-hmm. now it's just it's I'm, I'm here for the thrill i'm just here for mm-hmm. the the jump scares i'm here for the excitement of it all right it's not so right. not so much like oh, i'm not scared anymore it's creepy i'm not going to deny that but yeah right so, so if I could tie that up into where this started with the, with the stuff that was cut out, you know, in a way, my affinity for the Friday the 13th films, especially, let's say, like, two to, two to four, especially two to four, is that they, I think all three of those films in particular have a brilliant chase in the last 20 minutes. Very suspenseful. I made, an, I made a note here. Was that Jenny quickly becomes the final girl, and the final chase is so good, so cool. It goes on forever. Now, I'm not saying that as a detriment. <clears throat> it's not, but it's not a three minute chase, and it's it's over. He chases her from cabin to cabin to finally to right. his cabin, and it's right. a great final chase. Yes. And now I have to make one you... note though. Here is mm-hmm. the chainsaws. Unless you're Ash, they're highly impractical weapons. Yeah. Sure makes him cower though, doesn't it? Oh Boy, yeah, he's, he's a chainsaw. He's like, Whoa! yeah, he <laughs> was like, just like jumping that? back, and his hands are all flailing. Like he, he did not want any part of that uh, of the business end of that chainsaw. But well, you know, it, it doesn't work yeah, out. And I, that's that's <laughs> what I miss. That's what I miss with the zombie Jason. I, I miss the little bit of uh, vulnerability. You know, Michael Myers always had a little bit. If you think about it, I mean, he gets shot. And then when his eyes get shot out in the second one, he's whimpering. Yeah. You know, the, the, there is a point where they find their vulnerability. And, and, and it's sort of like, you know, with that, with that chainsaw, <laughs> he's like a baby. He's like, ah! <laughs> it's like, not the saw shit, this means business right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost looks like Steve Dash thought she was going to grab, like, a stick. <laughs> and, and she grabs a chainsaw instead of a stick. He goes, whoa, hey, what's that? You know? That, that's not really in the fucking script. Yeah, like right, the right. almost here and saying like, "Wait a minute, Hoss, that's a live chainsaw." What the fuck? Right, right, and and so I mean that that oh. to me like is is kind of cool because you he's not. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there it plays such a fine line between reality and non-reality, and by the time you get to again, I told you I love the six months so much fun, but but there's no reality at all. It's oh gone. no. The reality it's, it's, is it's totally almost very gone. meta by the time it gets to part six. Yeah, it's it's just it's over, you know, but but we're we're in an, a spot here where we're still thinking we're in the real world. Right. 
I mean, right. we're still thinking that 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 machete is a hell of a lot shoot. closer to reality than part six. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's part of the, the scare, the scare of it is is that and part of the fun of the sixth one is that he's no longer even a human anymore. So now we're in, now we're now we're watching a monster movie, which I love monster movies. So don't get me wrong. So I, I, I love that film. I, past part six. I don't want to talk about, it, but. <laughs> but part six not is, me either was, and at least not very much no no there's there's ups and downs a little bit but let's just say it's mostly down you know so right, right. but and, and maybe for me it's part of it you know i am a monster guy but i'm also a bit of a can we keep the story the story or change the title right you know, right i, I, if, I get a little if it's a slasher yeah. movie it's a slasher movie but if it's a creature feature then it's a creature feature Sure, sure, and I, I I accept the 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 evolution of of Jason Voorhees and stuff, you know. But I mean, it all starts with Michael Myers, really, right? You know? Right, and 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 so Jason really is a a more visceral version of Michael Myers. Michael Myers is more of like an id, you know. He's more of a kind of a force. Um, he's he's a thought. Yeah, he's, yeah, definitely. And with Voorhees. That's the ego. You know what I mean? Like he's he's totally like he's on you. He's I mean, he's not gonna walk. He's gonna he's on you, you know, he's gonna right. he's gonna spy on you, he's gonna figure out stuff. That's the other thing, too. There's a couple of shots in this movie. I think some of the, the stalking stuff out in the woods is kind of good. The too. There's a couple of is... shots I forgot I forgot about, you know, that was pretty pretty well done. Yeah, I mean, especially when we get the uh, well, I, I like the chase scene at the end as we're getting. I do too. No, it's brilliant. Here, I, when, he, yeah. mm-hmm. when we get back to Jason's cabin, and we got to talk about Jason's cabin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. That thing was held together with spit, duct tape, and a prayer. That place was falling right. apart. I, I do love the scene where the where the sheriff or the deputy goes in and he's like taking a look at Jason's toilet that just. Look like, you know, the right. nastiest. Looks, uh, you know. Right, looks like what it would look like. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like, oh, so this is where that you have to take into account that they're saying this is where Jason drops a deuce. But you know. Right, 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 right. But um, when they, you know, when the the cop foresees the cabin, you know, he opens up the room that eventually is like, you know, Jason's den with the dead bodies laying around around the, the altar that is. Pamela Voorhees, you know, severed head. You don't see that. You don't see that head in that room and what he sees until uh, Jenny shows up at the end, which I think was, right. was also a great reveal. Yeah, no, you're right. And and I, I remember also, like, when I watched that the first time, going back to the fact that maybe people are laughing at me about this. I mean, maybe, but it was a mystery when it when it opened. I mean... Again, remember, the people involved in the first film didn't want to be involved in the second one because they didn't even understand how this could be. So if you're a right. fan of the first film and Friday the 13th Part 2 comes out, you don't know what's going on. You go see the movie, and you're thinking, well, who replaced her now? Right, right. And, and, and you're like, holy shit, it's, wait, it's a kid? How the, and then, but, but as the movie goes on, that's all it's telling you. Even in the cabin is, is a signpost as well. And I remember the first time I saw that, that, that when they came upon that cabin, you're like, oh, good God! What is this? Don't go in that thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, even if no, nobody's living there. there, no good can come from going inside it. Right? It's like, dude, don't, no, don't do that. You know, I mean, 
of course, if we were kids out in the woods, what would we do? I'd walk right in the damn thing and see what the hell it was, you know. But oh, I would too. I know I always end up saying like, oh, why are they so stupid? Why are they going in? I would go in. I know I would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it's it's true. I, I would. I'd go and see it. But but it, it you're right though. It's like it's very very off putting, offsetting. Like, okay, what is this? So. On one hand, you know, like I'm watching this again. This might be funny to people, but I'm watching it the first time going, was this where Pamela lived? Like Pamela Voorhees? Like what? what is this place now? You know, it completely throws you off. And then the movie ends and you're like, oh, shit, it was Jason. Yep. It was Jason. And that to me was awesome because there was nothing more. <laughs> and there's no offense. Look. Betsy Palmer was another wonderful person. I miss Betsy Palmer. She was a lovely woman. I never was, got to meet her, unfortunately. I've heard many, many good things. She was, ah, she was, she was great. She was great. Yeah. Um, um, it's close to having a crush on a woman her age I could have, which I did not have that kind of crush on. I had, is what I'm saying. You know, she was just a right. great, great, great lady, great lady or whatever, you know, but I'm sorry. But the, the the disappointment of watching Friday the Thirteenth, and then seeing a 1960s starlet as as the killer wearing an oversized sweater with a hairdo <laughs> right. like my mom at the time, right, it was right. a little disappointing. It was a little disappointing, you know. And it was cool because she was kind of a she was kind of a tough old bird at the end, you know. She could put her yeah you know, she could she could put her dukes up and fight, you know. It was it was okay. I'm she not, was tough. She was tough, she but was it was tough. a little disappointing. And it's like, oh, it it's, was little, yeah. it's been some crazy, it's been some crazy. Nineteen seventy nine version or nineteen eighty version of a Karen, right? You right. know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you, so let's say, if you look at Friday the Thirteenth, what's it known for for real? It's known for that ending. It's Jason. Yep. Right. It's That's known- Jason. Jason saves that movie to me from kind of obscurity in a way. That just that end part where he jumps out. You're like, oh shit, look at that, you know. And I still and, and think the part with Alice, go, go, you know, doing the whole thing like we didn't find any boy, and like, which then she's like, he's still there, you know. It yes. kind of leaves that mystery of like, mm, right? Is he still there? I love that. I love that. Like I lo- like I as much as I'm I'm kind of a little critical in the first film, the way they handle that at the end of me, I thought was great. And then, because it, it opened up so much mystery, and there's nothing more I like in horror films and stuff than mystery. Well, to me, yeah. what was great about Alien? What was great about Alien was that you didn't know what the hell just got on board this ship, but you're going you're gonna to spend two hours figuring out what it is. Yep. I love <laughs> that. I love it. I absolutely love it. And people die, and you know, they get killed in gory ways and on the way there and stuff. And that's fun, too. You know, but it's like, yeah, yeah that's cool always fun. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's intellectually stimulating. You're like, yes, let's watch it. You're not only watching monsters and stuff, but the, the movie is giving you credit for having a brain and wanting to follow through, you know, and watch this movie. Well, I mean, I kind of think that that's what, that's what Friday the 13th 2 had. I think it was what was missing in the third one. 
but to me, like, I like the third one a lot. And as a matter of fact, I would put the chase scene in the third one uh, up there against a lot of stuff, too, at the end. That's a very good chase. It's, it's sort of a remake of part two, the chase. If you remember that oh, chase, well, that's the one where, like, he had butts the window. And I know it's in 3D and stuff, but he had butts the window and, right, 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 and chases yeah. that girl around, you know, and stuff. And, and, and that's a really good. And he, he gets stabbed in the knee. That's a good little moment. You know, and things like that. And I really like that ending, too. That's good, you know, coming through there and stuff. But there's really, it doesn't really do anything to push anything forward. You know, you get the second one, you're like, holy crap, it's Jason. And then you get the third one. Holy crap, it's still Jason. <laughs> then, you get, right. then you get to the fourth one. Well, Jason gets picked off. You get Tommy. You get some pretty cool, interesting writing going on. It's a little more interesting. You get the fifth one, you're in the Wild West with logic. You get to the sixth one. <laughs> well, there one, is still logic got, become part five. <laughs> right. You get to the sixth one, you get you get zombie Jason. So we get something. To, but the third one really is kind of a, on an island onto itself. And it, it was really the 3D that sold it. <laughs> but it's not bad. I'm not, I'm not a despair. It's good. Uh, it, but it's I guess one of my, it's one the, of my favorites. Yeah, I guess maybe getting the hockey mask would be iconic. Um, you know, I guess that would be what the third one is known for besides being 3D. Uh, I think they totally dropped the ball on the ending of that, where the mother jumps out of the water. I I really thought they could have done something kind of cool with that, but that's one of those things I'd probably be complaining about today, had they actually gone down that road. I'd probably be complaining right, about right. it now, saying they should have stuck <clears throat> in Jason's side. Probably Let's face it, we'd be yeah. complaining about something, wouldn't we? Oh, I can't wait to complain about shit. You kidding me? Yeah, that's part of what big. The two things I look forward to the most getting to be an old man is complaining about stuff and taking naps. Mm. <clears throat> Ain't nothing like a good nap. Nothing. <laughs> you know, but, but uh. you know, this movie to me, the reason I picked it out is because it seriously to me is one of the, I think, Friday the 13th Part 2 is one of the greatest horror films ever made because it holds up. That's it. Because that end chase scene holds up. Um, it's put together well. It's got kind of a creepy kind of build up to everything. I love the bag over the head with the eye like you're talking about coming out. That is so like off-putting. And I so also much love that more... he's using a pickaxe, you know, that, that that's a hell of a weapon to be using. Right, right, you know. And I, the, the bag, I think, was, I think the costume designer just said they used it because it was something that would be available. It was realistic. They said it would be available for him to use to put over his head to hide his face. Yeah, I mean, he would have readily available, like a pillowcase or a burlap sack would be a lot easier to come by than, well... I mean, think about it. If it wasn't for one of his victims, he wouldn't have that iconic uh, hockey mask. So if it wasn't for Shelley's character in part three, we wouldn't have that iconic Jason. Right. Does he not? Does he not? Am I wrong? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But does he not lose that mask in part three and then find another one? No, like, right? Um, no, I think because because Shelley goes into the barn. And then next thing you know, Shelly is, he's got his oh, mask on when he goes into the no, barn. No, 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 no. I think what I'm thinking of is, is, well, at the end of part three, he get, when he gets hung and all that, you know, his mask comes up and stuff. He and flips the she, mask off to get the, the noose on and then he flips it back down. Right. But then she, and then she gets him in the head with the ax, but then he runs out of the, when he runs out of the, the house, it breaks through the door and stuff. His mask is totally gone. 
he's gone. But then if you watch, I guess I'm going to go back and look at that. That's kind of confusing. I mean, I don't watch part three a whole lot just because it's not one of my favorite ones. Well, and that one, I I believe that the shot of him charging out of the cabin at her with no mask on was a quote unquote dream sequence. Yeah. Because when the camera pans away from her, it pans past uh, Higgins place and goes into the barn. He's still laying there with the ax in his head and he's still wearing the mask. Right, right. You're right. Yeah. I'm trying to think where the lot where where I thought that no because when she puts the axe in his head his mask is still on isn't it yes and then he falls down with the axe sticking out of his head okay so I was I was mistaken there but it is amazing how the hockey mask changes <laughs> from, from movie to movie it's like that's not the same mask you know um, it couldn't have been yeah, so hard to find a, a replica mask and like I don't, it was just kind of like Michael Myers mask it, it always ended up changing it did change man it's like I mean really like incredibly a lot you know it's like is it that hard to make that you know i mean i don't know i don't know i don't know it must be yeah and i don't know if it was on purpose or not but yeah why not just keep the same hockey mask going through through the whole thing to keep continuity i don't think there's one there isn't a continuity in any of the masks is there it's different in every movie if i'm not mistaken Um, on the halloween or the friday 13 friday 13 i don't think there's any consistency no i I think the mask is slightly different in every movie Mm -hmm. yeah i understand the fifth one being different i get that you know i also find it funny how uh in the sixth one he just happens to have it with him yep Like, well, why would Tommy, why would Tommy, like, ha- have that anyway? Like, why would he hold on to that? Well, what's a hell of a way to get Jason the mask? <laughs> Otherwise, know? he would have just been uh, literally zombie Jason sans mask. Right, 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 right. Uh, but I think, I, I also think that, um, well, I will say this, and, and, and there's, there's a, there can be a lot of debate about a lot of things, but I do think, as far as horror sequels go, I I don't know. I can't think of a better one. I mean, I can't think of one that I would consider so far superior to the original one. Um, I can't. I, I if you can think of one, let me. I mean, because I mean, I'm thinking like Halloween too, which I like, but it's not Halloween. I mean, come on. Uh, I actually will. I I got I got to stop you there for a second. Okay. I like Halloween too now. Now, hear me out on this. Right. Now, I, I can realistically look at a film and say whether or not it's superior or not, but what, whether or not I like it more is a different thing. Okay. Now, Halloween 1 is a far superior film. It is mm-hmm. these, the pinnacle of, of that series. Mm-hmm. But I like Part 2 better. Okay. I like Part 2. I, I think I saw it more. I was mm-hmm. of that age, you know, when the first one came out, I was two years old. But when the second one came out, I was like seven years old or six years mm-hmm. old. So mm-hmm. I got to see it on TV, got to rent it on DHS and saw it more. So mm-hmm. I think I have more of a love for it. Like I had an, a debate with somebody once about the Mad Max films. Like I can tell them Fury Road is the vastly superior film from a technical standpoint, from what they mm-hmm. were just able to pull off stunts and coordination and editing and sound design, everything. It's the superior film of that franchise. Doesn't mean I like it better. I, I still I, I have a certain love for the Road Warrior that just surpasses that. I can look at a film and realistically look at it and say, yeah, this movie's superior, but I like this other one better because mm-hmm. it just... Mm-hmm. I think the Road Warrior makes every other movie except for Mad Max in the series look silly. 
I, I mean, I know a lot of people love Fury Road, and I was like, it's okay, but there's one thing missing. Max. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Tom Hardy, to me, was like, I'm not a huge fan. I, I think he's a good actor. I've tried to like him. I just don't. Um, and then well, the other fair. thing... The other thing is, is it's really not very, I mean, he's kind of a, he's not Max. That's no, not he, Max. he's, he's not, not Max. No. It, 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 it was the Furiosa show. But it's yeah. the same from a, a technical standpoint, that movie is amazing, what they were able to choreograph and pull off and just, <laughs> if but anything, from a logistics that, standpoint, is just so fucking nuts. But don't you think also because of where technology is, has brought us that that, that made that like that and that really like the road warrior itself was pretty much all done in camera like you know it was oh yeah there wasn't any other way to do it now and i I still i still love the road warrior more than anything i mean you know i I don't care how good these movies get (laughs) you know right right series gets i'm always going to love the the road warrior more than any of those films well and i think i think friday the 13th part two um they're they they're they they look and feel similar, to the first one and the second one, um, just by definition. I mean, they they look, they feel the same music, same atmosphere. I just think the Friday the Thirteenth Part Two delivers so much more what it's promising than oh, Friday definitely. the Thirteenth does. That to me, that makes it so much more of a superior sequel. I just I can't think of another sequel that is so much better than the original i just can't i can't think of i mean i can't think of many sequels that are better but i, I mean road warrior is better than mad max i think oh yeah but they're very so. different films you know but they're better but they're, but it's 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 a little different you know we're also not talking about horror films too you know so it's a little different but yeah. i don't know i can't think of one i really can't like jaws 2 is kind of a fun movie but it's nowhere near jaws no um, no no not at all no no and i and it's fun i mean when we were kids I think I saw Jaws too much more when I was a kid than I saw Jaws. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, can you honestly can you think of a part two? And part uh, one that has the same relationship that Friday the 13th one and two have to each other. And, and, and as far as like the quality and how good they are, how, are, do you, are you with me on that? I mean, seriously, like, do you, do you think I'm that Friday the 13th two? But is, there is a couple yeah. that I can think of. Um, I'm a big fan of Hellraiser two that I think is a vastly superior film to, to the first one. And I would probably mm. never tell Clive Barker that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I can't see. I can't stand. Well, I'm not a huge Hellraiser fan. It's okay, but I can't stand the second one. Like it makes no sense to me at all. Like it's just, it's just like it's a kitchen sink movie to me. Like it's just, I can't keep up with it. That's fair. That's the yeah. thing. If we all like the same shit, there'd only be one kind of movie, and it'd be right, awfully right. boring, you know. Right. I will say but, one thing. What the, to, to your point though? I mean, I'm kind of thinking about that Hellraiser two. I would say Hellraiser two is at least attempting to deliver more than the, than the original one promises. Because really the original Hellraiser has a lot more to do with the lady. She's like kind of the monster of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's all about her her obsession with Frank. Yeah. You know, more, more than anything that, right, that it is right. about Hellraising. <laughs> right, right, right. I think, I think you, to me, 
if if the Road Warrior is to Mad Max and action movies, I think Friday the Thirteenth is to Part Two is to Friday the Thirteenth and horror films. So we're, I, I would we're, agree. We're, I, we're, I would one hundred percent agree with you on that one. We're, we're we're seeing like the Road Warriors could almost be a stand, which it kind of is. They're both kind of standalone films, almost ignoring the first one in a, in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of like just shifting it completely. Well, you know, I mean, even at the beginning of the Road Warrior, they have a bit of a recap. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's it's the same kind of mode. You know, I agree with you. Right, and so, and I think it's much better. And I love Mad Max. I do. I, oh I yeah, love, I like Mad Max a lot more than like the first Friday the Thirteenth movie. But I oh think yeah, it's, definitely <laughs> without yeah. a doubt. But do, do you agree with me though too about the difference between the first Friday the Thirteenth and second Friday the Thirteenth? What are your thoughts on the first one versus this one? You know, the the first one, to be quite honest, is one of my you know, other than some of the latter sequels, you know, the New Blood and Jason Takes Manhattan, which just got a bit ridiculous. I mean, I like certain aspects of them for what they are because it's still Jason. But it, the first one is just, it, like you said, it's kind of like a, a, a giallo that's just a little bit, it's it's kind of hit or miss. It's a little slow. It's a little boring. Right. And, and the payoff at the end with, you know, it being Pamela Voorhees being the killer is just it's good it is iconic because it is what it is but it doesn't deliver on what I want to see and I want to see Jason right you yeah I, I, right right so basically I, I one way of looking at it too is that Friday the 13th the original one has a great final five minutes maybe right and t- tops five minutes maybe and then Friday the 13th part two has a great final 20 minutes. Right. The, the, the whole entire third act, the whole final 20 to 25 minutes of part two is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, so many people end up getting killed in that last fucking 20 minutes, you know, right before Ginny and Ball make it back to the camp. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets bumped off. And when they show up, there ain't nobody left but them. And I right. do make a, a great, great note here that um, when she, uh, Jenny is trying to escape during part of her final chase, she finds Crazy Ralph in the pantry in the same place that Alice found him in the original movie, except for this time he's fucking dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's a good observation. I didn't think about that. Yeah, like he's yeah, found in the good. pantry. Yeah. Like, oh, there he is. That's where he got d- dumped off to. Right, the, right. The one problem I have, the one problem, and maybe you you can help me try to justify this a little bit. Now, the ending of the first one, you know, where uh, Jason is a little boy, drags Alice down into the lake. I know they try to play it off like it didn't happen, you know, because how could Jason be a boy and then two months later be a full grown man? So she was obviously probably in some sort of a fever dream. Mm-hmm. OK, uh, that's how I, I justify it in my head. You know, the, the storytelling that Alice was in a, a fever dream at the end of the, the first movie. Mm-hmm. At the end of part two, when Jenny and Paul make it back to the cabin and they get the fake kind of jump scare where they think Jason is at the door, but it's fucking muffin. <laughs> it's just the muffin, the dog. Now, was when Jason comes through that window and he's got the machete hanging out of his shoulder and he's in his all, it's the, the Warrington Gillette scene, you know. It's, right, it's, right, right. It's right. all long hair. Very effective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very effective. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. But then and it goes He's got a good face for that. Yeah. He's got a great face for it. Yeah. yeah no, he, he was perfect for it. I don't have, no, I would rather have Warrington jump to death than Steve Dash. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. But then it flashes to, to white and then it's just, Jenny getting carried out on a stretcher and her going, Paul, Paul, where's Paul? 
Right. And then there's just no answer. You don't see Paul. You don't find out where she got dragged to, if anywhere, or she was just found kind of babbling crazy like Alice m- might have been at the end of the first. Do you think that that ending was just a dream and that Paul, you know, was was OK or was Paul dead? I mean, I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts on that ending. Yeah, you know, it's pretty funny because I know that, that's it's interesting to me that I've only I've only discovered or really, I guess, maybe noticed in the last few years, how controversial that ending is. I never bothered me once before. I mean, I was like, uh, I like the mystery of it. Okay. I like mystery. I like the mystery of what happened to Paul because I never had a doubt that Jason jumped through the window, had it out with Paul, and killed Paul. Somehow made off of them, but we don't know because because we're kind of following Jenny in this. So right, she, right. she passed out. Fear gets knocked out because he knocks it, whatever. And then when she comes to, we come to. And I found that to be kind of, it's probably a shortcut to thinking <laughs> with the writing and stuff. But the way it came of off course. to me, I thought was kind of cool. I never once thought that he was alive. I hope the dog was dead. I don't like those little dogs. I can't. I love dogs, but not the real little ones. I don't like the little dogs. The, the so, little shit zoos. Oh, I don't want to stand little tiny dogs. The bigger, the better. I mean, I, it's a long story. I just, anyway, but I gotcha. I hear you. It, it never bothered me. I never had a problem with It's amazing how I have problems with certain things, but did not have a problem with that because I never saw a lack of logic. You know, I just never saw a lack of logic. Now, the only lack of logic is why, how did she live when she was passed out? Well, he might have thought she was dead. If she was out to the point where she didn't wake up until the ambulance got her, you know, blah, blah, blah. The other question is, you know, like, who discovered them all? How did the how did all these people get there? Of course, we know there was people partying at the bar. So yeah. they probably came back and discovered, you know, uh, that. And we also know there was a missing sheriff. That's that what I had could cause a few the missing to, sheriff. If the last yeah. time that he had, had radioed in was to say, "Hey, I found a couple kids by Camp Crystal Lake nosing around. I'm going to take them back to this camp." And then, of course, then he's never heard from again. I figured that's how the emergency figures, you know, the ambulance drivers and the cops showed up. Well, it took him a while. Yeah, well, it's also you know New Jersey out in the country. I guess yeah, I don't. <laughs> it took him a while. I live out in the country too. They'd be out there. And Maybe they didn't really too. like the sheriff. Maybe they didn't Maybe, really care to find you know? him that quick. I think that's a bigger lack of logic why the sheriff gets iced and no one ever comes inquiring after the sheriff comes inquiring about two kids snooping around, you know, and then, but no one inquires when the sheriff never goes back home. Like you said, after radioing in, which is a good procedurally, it's it's kind of good. You know, like usually the cops just does what he does. He doesn't radio things in the, the, the mistake the cop made in that one was radioing. Hey, I found someone, I saw someone on foot. I'm going in pursuit. You know, that's the only thing he didn't do, you know, right. but, but, but a lot of times the cops just, they just do what they do, you know, like, especially movies in the eighties, like, well, I think that's where we got. It was played very, time. it was played very loosey goosey with the uh, police procedural kind of shit. As movies were in the eighties, you know, they yeah. were like almost the stereotype we have now where they just pulled their gun out. <laughs> you know, we watched the movie cop with James Woods in it. Me and my wife watched that like this, like maybe three months ago. It's a good movie. It was a really well-received movie when it came out. But you watch it now, you're like, James Woods is just walking around picking people off when he feels like it. You know, like, well, doesn't have a lot of those, like, 80s to, er, to yeah. mid-90s movies. The, the cops are just like, 
you know, would just go and shoot up a grocery store, you know, <laughs> like like Cobra, you know, and like take out like six guys. Like I was just here doing my shopping. Right. You know, and, like right, they're right, not yeah. not going to have a whole lot of like uh, paperwork to fill out and like yeah, uh, exactly. psychologists to see, yeah, if we're, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know. But, you so know. They're, they're, I get procedure, that. you know, yeah. what about procedure? Who cares? Who gives a well, shit? Well, what's funny, too, is when, when the sheriff opens the door in part two. I didn't know he was a member of police. <laughs> it just says police. It doesn't say, like... You know, like like uh, uh, Crystal Lake police. It just says police. <laughs> so it's great, and I, I always like those police uniforms that involve blue jeans. You know, let's not forget yeah. that too. Right, right. So there's a little bit of goofiness in that stuff, and I think I think the bigger lack of logic when people talk about the Paul character is is that is why didn't anyone else come looking for the cop? He's important. Those kids might not be, but he's important. You know, like he. So why didn't they come looking for him? But don't I know. don't know, man. Don't I, know. I just think that it's pretty clear that Paul was killed. I think uh, 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 what's his the uh, the writer Ron Kurz, or I think he says that too. That no, Paul's dead. I mean, he's dead. It just that was just a big jump scare at the end to let you know that Jason was not dead. I mean, he he jumped in and clearly did what he felt like doing after uh, he had incapacitated Amy Steele. That's just the way I saw it. And I find that I found that to be a very frightening ending because he's still oh, yeah. out there. You know, it's it's and to me, it was a very similar ending to the first one. And kind of apropos, I, I kind of thought it was like, oh, interesting. So the first one, he jumps out of the water, but no one sees him at all. You know, like and so it's just her. And in this one, no one sees Paul. Where's Paul at? And really, no one saw Jason. Right. Who saw Jason who was still alive? Yeah, nobody, nobody else, <laughs> nobody else was alive except Muffin. So, and you don't and even know Muffin was Muffin even still alive? Was she was was Muffin in the very last? I don't know. I was hoping Muffin was gone, so I did. Uh, I, I just wanted know. to kick Muffin. I was wanting to punt Muffin, but but what I'm saying though is that like how how do they even know that it wasn't Amy Steele that killed everybody? That's the thing. They don't. It's just like the right. end of part three. You know, at Higgins Haven, they don't know if it's not her. Right. You know, right. yeah, nobody knows. They just have a whole bunch of bodies, and one survivor usually ended up uh, covered in blood, and they just take take them at their word that it was Jason. Right. See, I enjoy that. I, I enjoy that sort of that open mystery. Allow yourself to do a little thinking. Allow yourself to interject into into that a little bit. I mean, we were talking earlier about about David Lynch. Clearly, if you like, we were talking about Blue Velvet before we started recording a little bit. Just talking about movies and stuff. I mean, come on, man. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to interject yourself into those movies a little bit to even follow what the hell's going on half the time in a David Lynch film, you know? But he's an artist. He's a painter who uses film as his, as his brush, basically. Yeah, and I have so, this discussion with uh, Patty a lot because I introdu introduced her to David Lynch, and I, we just recently watched Wild at Heart. And, you know, she... Oh, women love that movie. Yeah. We'll often yeah. say, like, you know, like... Why was there a mime dancing across the screen once in the middle of this movie? Like, <laughs> because you know why? Because David Lynch said, I want a mime dancing across the screen right here at minute 57. And that's right. what happened. Well, it's funny because he, he gets upset when people say he makes confusing movies. He gets really mad. He gets real, real 
upset. He's like, I'm not trying to confuse people, dang it. You know, he gets all upset. But they're confusing if you're trying to fill, follow them in a linear way and not absorbing them like an Italian film. Yeah. And so I enjoy a little bit of that not beating you over the head with stuff. I, one thing, like, um, if, if, we, if, if two old men could wave canes right now, um, if there is a disconnect between, like, let's say fellows our age and let's say people who are, like, 20, is that the... Almost the art of irony is dead. Oh, you have gosh, to have yes. everything absolutely explained to you verbatim. And jokes, like, if I make a joke that is clearly an exaggeration, my, like, it, it takes my, like, my 14-year-old a minute to look at me and try to read me and see, is he telling the truth? No, Chance, I'm not telling you the truth. I did not just punt a bald ego into our pool. I was joking. Well, to me, you're, you're not allowing someone to think, oh, that's funny, he's joking. Because I know that person, and he's not a hateful bastard. Or I know that person, and he wouldn't punt a bald ego into the pool. I might punt muffin into my swimming pool, but I will I not punt a bald ego. I don't think anybody would be ego. mad at you for that. <laughs> at least right. I wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think that there's a little bit of an openness and an irony and an irony between the first two films and a little openness and, and mystery that I think allows a little bit of peeling away to give room for another interesting sequel, I guess you could say, which is pretty common in the 80s, let's say, in horror films. They still kind of do it. Open, yeah, they, leave things open for a sequel, let's say. Um, yeah, more so with with horror movies than any other kind of movie. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe action films kind of fall into that same kind of category of leaving sure. room open for that. But yeah, yeah I, I'd yeah. agree with you. Yeah, man. So I, I I like the ending. I think the ending is. Oh, okay. I like the mystery of it. I don't want to know exactly what happened to Paul. I think it's creepier not knowing. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, Jason killed him and ate him. Yeah, I didn't, the thing is, I, I didn't like Paul's character to begin with. I kind of thought Paul was somewhat of a dick. So mm-hmm. the, the fact that like it left it open-ended as to where he was or if he was dead or whatnot, I, like I, to be honest, I didn't quite care a whole lot. No. <laughs> Not just you know, like, Amy yeah, Steele, he's a dick. It, right, and Amy Steele wasn't going to go on that date with me that I was going to ask her out if Paul was around. So he had right. to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she take Muffin just, with him. She have just treated me like Jason and used child psychology <laughs> on me and tricked me. Right, right, right. Which I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I, I think that that is a fun moment where you, where they open the door and the the stupid little dog is there, you know, because that, that people always say, "What about Paul?" He said, "What about Muffin? Muffin was dead. They showed Muffin dead." Right, right. I was pretty sure, like when uh, the two characters find. Uh, I think it's what Jeff and Sandra. If I'm remembering I right, I, don't, I, I, I find I it. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah. the two characters, the, the boy and the girl, find the dead dog. It was obviously Muffin. They're like, "Oh, it just looks like some sort of animal. It's too mangled to tell." And I'm looking like, "Now that looks like Muffin to me." I'm like, well, uh, "A clear voiceover to to make the end make sense." <laughs> you know, right. when they're looking down at the, you know what I mean? It's like a, it's a clear like, "What? No, that's Muffin." You come on, man. 
Right. You, know, you, know, you yeah. almost need uh, Morgan Freeman to go with it. Yeah. It was, <laughs> in fact, Muffin. Right. Well, yeah, that being yeah. said, you want to uh, put a pin in this one for the evening or for, for the yeah, mid-afternoon? You, know, you, have and, to. you have to with me because I, I think I told you when, and I meant it, and there's no, there's no telling I won't do this someday, but I told you I could do an entire podcast, a weekly podcast or monthly about this film alone. I, I, could, I could talk about it forever because I love it so much. So you have to put a pin in me and tell me to stop. Well, I'll end it off by saying that I love the final shot. Um, ending shot of the movie, just that long pan in zoom of Mrs. Voorhees' head just sitting there on the altar. I kind of like the idea that they had talked. Well, they had talked about in the uh, the, the original script. The original uh, shot was supposed to end with her opening her eyes and smiling. I'm glad they didn't do that. I agree. I agree. I, 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 not because I find it too hokey or that I found it, you know, too goofy. It just again, it's that suspension of disbelief. I would I would have been like, oh come on. I mean, maybe. Seven or eight year old me would have found it like creepy and would have like fist pumped in the air. But as an adult, I don't think I want to see yeah, that. But isn't that great how you just think it's going to happen? Because there's clearly a person in that head. Right. There's yeah. Clearly, you can clearly see a person there. Like, like they just cut it before her eyes open, basically. But isn't it more like mysterious and scary that you're like, oh my God, those eyes are going to open? But they didn't open. Uh, yeah, they didn't open. You never got that. You never got It's that. kind of like that, that impressive ending of, I'll, I'll make a comparison here and uh, you might disagree with me or not, but uh, the ending of um, Prince of Darkness, when the mm -hmm. main character is putting his hand to the mirror and just as his fingers are going to touch, it cuts. It's mm -hmm. just one of those like, uh, uh, oh, right, like it, just, right. it treats the audience. It doesn't, well, it doesn't treat the audience like they're idiots. It's just like, listen, make up what you want to see in your own head. You know, you can, you can make it up or what happens in that next frame once the, the movie continues, if it does, you know, right. but that being said, um, I think it's obvious we both have a lot of love for this movie as a sequel. I think it was yeah. a great one for us to pick to do as a first time one on this show, but you know how things go around here. We usually do a final quick summary and a rating on a scale from one to 10. So go ahead, Timo, take it away. Oh, it's 10. I mean, this is, this is 10. This is one of my favorite movies. I can't, I can't, it's the the reason I'm so strong about this movie is that I love the Fun House, the movie The Fun House. I don't think a movie Toby Hooper's Fun House, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure when I was a kid. I'm not sure anything, anything like like a jarring moment at school. Anything scared me as bad as that movie. I I, I was terrified watching that. I watch it now, and, and it, it, you know I'm like, ah, oh, boy, yeah, I was a kid. It scared me. It's okay. I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. There's just things I see where I'm, where I see the things that didn't hold up that maybe scared me more. This movie to me is not like that. I don't have that nostalgia for this movie. Like I said before, I just kept appreciating it more and more as the years went on because of how well it's constructed, how good it's made the techniques for uh, the scares, especially at the end, that chase, the suspense. That final uh, shot, too. Uh, the final shot's great. I mean, just the moment where, where Amy Steele is under the bed and the rat, the rat's down there, and she's so scared she pees. There's, like, little things like that. That This was 19... It was shot in 1980. That's a lot. 40 years ago. You know, I mean, like, there's just a lot of stuff in there that just holds up and is really like stark in it you know um 
I think the gore that's implied is is probably as good to me as what was cut out. I'm okay with that because I love the movie so much. And what impresses me about it isn't the effects or anything as much as it is about the tension and the exhilaration they have, uh, especially with the the buildup. And then it it pays off with that final third of the film. And I, I will always tell people I will put the final third of that film up against any other action or horror film as far as being tense, suspenseful, and well-executed. And for people who are frustrated by that, did you watch Lost? <laughs> did you uh, did you watch one of my favorite films, Phantasm? <laughs> you, exactly. you know, yeah, right, right. Do you find the logic in that? Yeah, and I love Phantasm, by the way. It's a, that's a good favorite. I love Phantasm. That movie gets better with age, and it was cool and weird as hell back then, and it's still cool and weird as hell now. It's a great film, great, great film. But Friday right. Thirteen Part Two. Absolute 10. I don't have any doubt whatsoever. Like, that's to me, it's the best Friday the 13th movie. It's one of the greatest horror films. Uh, as far as a slasher film in the woods, it's 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 the gone with the wind. That's that's all like, you know, everything was yeah ripped off this this movie for sure. So, yep, 10. Yeah. Uh, no, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I'm on the same page as you. 10 out of 10. It's. Now there is no to, to me there you know I always say is is as close to a perfect film as there is is this kind of like when I did a review of the thing, yeah it's the thing a perfect movie but no but it's as close to perfect as you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find very few things at fault with this movie. You know if if I did nitpick, you know things uh, you know like how does Jason know how to dial a phone? What, why does it matter? What happens right. to Paul at the end? Again you know I, I I like to ask those questions but in the end. It doesn't really matter, you know. Uh, I I love the fact that you know we 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 see where Jason lives, uh, sleeps. <laughs> we see where he shits. You know, it's the only point. time too, right? That's the only time you see that, right? In any of the right. films that I can recall. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, in part three, from three on, there's. I mean, other than a <sighs> little bit in Freddy versus Jason, don't they have a well, flashback? Yeah, I'm not, cabin, not, but yeah, I don't yeah, really go that far. Yeah, I don't really count that. <laughs> yeah. I don't really count that. I don't really. I'm count talking that about like let's say from the first, you know, like six to seven. You know what I mean? Like the first, the, the first canon films, really. I mean, before right before they went to New Line, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Before right. Jason goes to hell and Jason, X, right. yeah. I don't think Absolutely. they really ever show you where Jason lives and where you know he obviously lives and sleeps and eats. You know, uh, I I love that fact. Uh, I love the throwbacks to Crazy Ralph, um, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Alice and whatnot. It was a great little nod. Steve Dash is one of my favorite Jasons. He is not my mm-hmm. ultimate favorite Jason. That that uh, award goes to C.J. Graham. He's good too. I like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he he's the best zombie Jason. Well, we'll put it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve Dash is the best pre-zombies uh, Jason. Mm-hmm. But it. Yeah, it's it's perfect in almost every way. You know, I mean, I'm glad we have some of the cutscenes just to visit it and look at them and be like, hmm, okay, there they are. But it doesn't; they don't need to be in the film. I don't think it would make it. It wouldn't make it. It certainly wouldn't make the film any worse, but it's not going to make the film any better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like I talk for hours about Friday Thirteenth too. It's my favorite. I got stuff to say. 
Oh yeah, you and know? I got. Oh, trust me, if we get to part six, if you're on the show for that one, uh, better set aside an afternoon because I'm. <laughs> I mean, I talked here about a, a lot about part two. I'm, I'm. I got so much to say about part six. Yeah, That's a movie yeah. I don't even need to watch again for a review recap. I don't need to take notes. I will. I will right. watch it again because I want to, and I will take notes because I feel I have to. But I don't feel like I have to. If that makes right. sense, you know. Well, you'll I'll be you'll be glad to know this is the first time. In over 10 years of doing podcasts, my own and being a guest on a couple of them like yourself, I, have, I didn't write one note and do not have IMDb open. <laughs> I just, I've been pacing around uh, my studio area and just talking. And that's, that is because I knew this was one I could just go. I could just go. I just go, go, go. I mean, uh, the Tim and Harley show, me and Ben Harley both love this movie. Well, that being said, I want to thank you before I, I sign off for the evening uh, for taking, an, again, another couple hours. These shows always end up going long. So I'm glad that when you said it uh, that we were going to start early. So I'm like, well, good. I'll have the afternoon left or, or some of it. Because <laughs> Patty is always like, she's like, oh, I know when you and Timbo talk, you always say it's going to be an hour or two. She's like, but you guys talk for an hour or two before you even start recording. <laughs> right, right. Which is not a problem, you know, but no. I set aside an afternoon for it because – I know how we get, but I want to thank right, you for right. taking a, a big chunk of your day out of your sch schedule to do the show with me. Uh, I, I appreciate it, and hopefully I, I can talk you into coming back sometime soon. Oh, yeah, sick. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'd like you to come on and talk about one of the movies on Synapse, one of these shows, too. So yeah. we'll do, do a little trade trade off there. So, But, no, I, I, I appreciate yeah, Whenever you want me to come on, just let me know, sir. Sure, and I, I, I appreciate uh, having me come on, and I love talking about this movie, Friday 13th, too, so I, I appreciate giving the being given the floor to babble about this forever, because I love it, so appreciate that. Wait, do you love this movie? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it's I. It's okay. It's I. You know. It's just I. <laughs> right, right. All right. right. Well, sir, I will bid you a fond farewell, and folks, thank you, as always, for listening. Check out uh, Timbo's new show on Synapse, and just Keep on listening. Jason! It's all done, Jason. You've done your job well, and Mommy is pleased. That's a good boy. Now come to Mommy. Come on. Come on. Mommy has a reward for you. Jason, mother is talking to you. Jason, mother is talking to you.